What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Another Friday, another episode of Why Are We Bullish? We've got a killer panel going on today. Very excited to have them all. We'll do some intros momentarily. I got to give a shout out before the show even gets going to number one fan, David Wong, in the live chat. If you're not already in the live chat if you're watching this somewhere else you're not on youtube and you're not in the chat there you got to get in there because david's dropping the fire if you're unfamiliar with david he's here every single week watches the show all the time hates bitcoin but he's always here to tell us how wrong we are so david i salute you never change and keep coming back uh one day we'll get that orange pill over to him although he assures me right now that it doesn't work for him so nonetheless uh this is live Anything can happen. So I defer to my friend Bill here. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. If you have not already, like, subscribe, share. All those things really, really help in getting this content in front of more eyeballs. I am Ben with the BTC Sessions. This is your daily session. Before we bring in our guests, let's take a look at where we are in the market right now. This is timechaincalendar.com. We're sitting at 28,472 US dollars per coin. A single US dollar will pick you up 3,512 sats. 92.07% of all Bitcoin have been mined. That's 19.33 million of them. And in terms of fees, next block, you're looking at 20 sats per byte. Even if you're willing to wait a little bit, 16 sats per byte is kind of your lower range. And the mempool obviously backed up. JPEG fever has taken hold, it would seem, uh, but less so compared to late last week. We, were, we had like a gig of backup in the mempool, meaning that a lot of stuff was just being purged from the mempool. Uh, not the case currently, but uh, you know most people's mempools are around 300 megabytes. So just keep that in mind. Set your fees high enough. Use RBF. Do what you got to do. Use Lightning. All that good stuff. Uh, shout out to sponsors of the show, hodlhodl.com. If you are stacking sats and you have a few priorities in mind, like peer-to-peer -peer trading, uh, being able to get instant self-custody and no KYC, not having to give up your ID and your identity and all that important stuff in the process, well, hodlhodl could be for you. Very easy. You can get there, hodlhodl.com, and sign up in minutes with nothing more than an email address and be stacking non-KYC sats in a jiffy, uh, they've got uh, this new dashboard, by the way, on, on the front page, and it makes it easy as hell to just pick your currency, pick the payment method, set the amount, and then view the offers or create an offer. It's super simple. Anyways, check them out. Links are down below. Now, when you do get those KYC-free sats, you're going to want to save them and secure them in the best damn hardware on the market. I love CoinKite and everything they're doing. The Cold Card Mark IV is an absolute beast. I've done a an in-depth tutorial on it. I'm doing a uh, in-person workshop down in Miami for the conference down there coming up on May 17th. But CoinKite, they just knock it out of the park. They've got obviously the cold card, but the tab signer, sats card, block clocks, open dimes, all kinds of great stuff. And coming down the pipe, 
Later this year, the cold card Q1 looks insane. So you can reserve it now. Head to coinkite.com. You can use code BTC Sessions for 5% off everything in the store. Now, if you do want to go beyond single SIG and get into multi SIG and you're looking at inheritance planning and all that stuff, Nunchuck has this badass setup known as the Honey Badger uh, account. And so you can get an assisted multi SIG where they'll hold a just in case key and it's got baked in inheritance planning so your sats get to the next of kin with no worry whatsoever um the flow is super easy it basically walks you through every single step of the way it works with great things like the tap signer and the cold card and a ton of other options in terms of hardware um and my favorite part non-kyc Again, you don't need to give up any of your private information to use it. It's simple. I set up, I actually set up my kid's inheritance plan last night with my wife. Very excited for it. And now the sats just get to accumulate and we know that it's going to be safe. So very excited for that. Check them out, nunchuck.io. I have a full tutorial as well. And finally, last shout out, Start9, your sovereign computing solution. I've done a video on how to set up your full Bitcoin stack with these guys so you can set up your Bitcoin core, Lightning node, things like mempool.space, join market for privacy. You can also host your own data. So I just did a video on Vault Warden for hosting your own password manager. You can host files and photos. You can also host Nostra clients and Nostra relays on this thing. You can do it all. Check them out, start9.com. If you're looking for something really basic, get the Embassy One. If you're looking for something really beefy to host your entire life on, the Embassy Pro can do you no wrong. So check them out. And with that, enough of my rambling. I need to get my guests in here. Uh, we've got Island. We've got Justin. We've got Eric. Welcome to the show, everybody. So happy to have you all. Uh, I believe we all have some beverages going that we're going to be sipping upon this. It, it It's already shaping up to be a good one because uh, the banter, brief as it was before the show, uh, was fun. So let's do a quick round of intros. I'll just toss it down the line and quick, who are you and what do you do? Um, I'll go to Island first. Go ahead. Ben, thanks so much for having us. I feel like I made it. <laughs> is, is this is this the 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 the, the, the pinnacle land? yeah the pinnacle this is where you want to be right <laughs> yeah 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 so my name is ayelen osorio um i had to get creative over the years with how to say my name so you have two options you can either think of violin without a v or the letters i l n and say it very fast hey that's that makes it so much easier ilm there we go i got it i'm i'm thinking the letters one personally <laughs> yeah yeah and i'm the i write a newsletter called the misfit and initially i called it the misfit because i felt like i was a misfit and i felt like all bitcoiners were misfits so i thought the name was appropriate and um accidentally recorded a conversation uh with uh, stacy herbert to do um a newsletter feature and then i thought why don't i turn this into a podcast so now i have a podcast mm. called the misfit as well and it's just been so much fun to talk to everyday people about bitcoin and hear their journeys and why they're excited about bitcoin so that's what other names were you considering sorry what other names were you considering other than misfit oh well you know that one came to my head and i thought if this feels right i'm gonna use it but i Ooh. also felt like for a lot of people it doesn't mean anything Right. If you hear the misfit, you're like, I have no clue what this is about. So I've been thinking a lot about how to rebrand it so that it's more inviting. And Shadowy super coder. 
Well, I like got, it. I think it's good. I was yeah, just kind of wondering. I like, I like it too. I like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's got a yeah. good ring to it. It's, it, you know, it rolls off the tongue a little bit better than the psychopath or the, <laughs> what was the, the one? Oh yeah. What was the one that came out today? So, oh, um, the, the, uh, the, the cartel. Oh <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I, you know, I, I, I think you're doing it right. <laughs> awesome. Well, Eric, I'm going to toss it down to you as well. Uh, give a quick intro for anybody who's unfamiliar. Yeah, Eric Yakes. That's why A K E S. I got three K's in there down there. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I'm a finance guy. I jumped into Bitcoin. I wrote a book, The Seventh Property, and um, currently setting up a fund right now. And I shit post on Twitter a lot. And that's that's kind of the 101. Dude, um, and and anybody who hasn't read the Seventh Property, you you should probably do that immediately. Jump jump over uh, on Amazon or or you know anywhere and grab it. It's fantastic. Uh, you gave me or well, you told me that I should read it uh, in 2021 at the Bitcoin conference in Miami, and I I went on Amazon right away and grabbed it, and uh, and glad I did uh, because it was awesome and. Um, and a lot of people have picked it up since, which I'm very happy to see. So, yeah, good job, man. Yeah, he was just walking by me and I was just like, oh, dude, PTC Sessions, like, you should read my book. And then he just, like, <laughs> bought it on the spot. And I was just like, oh, shit, he's actually going to read it. And then he actually read it and he started, like, tweeting about it and everything. And that was kind of like how I first got visibility. Um, and, yeah, then I came on uh, uh, Why We're Bullish. Uh, ah, crap, I already forgot to see how to say it. The violin. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Island. I L N. Yeah. So I felt like I was peaking too. And then it, it turns out I did peak. And uh yeah. So this is kind of where I plateaued. It's all downhill from here, is what yeah, you're telling yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, this is the pinnacle of, of I just get to stay at the pinnacle because I host the show, but eventually it's <laughs> yeah. all gonna fall off from here. So yeah. Uh well, Justin, welcome. Uh I think also you should give yourself a little intro, let people know who you are, what you do. Yeah, me, uh, I'm in my prime. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and uh, I'm an energy guy or an electricity guy, maybe better said. Um, and, and if we dial in even more, I'm a, I'm a new technology on the grid demand response guy. And so I've been, um, you know, working with some of the largest electric utilities in the country and uh, focused on Bitcoin mining as a technology, as an industry. You know, um, obviously I love Bitcoin for all the other reasons as well. But, but that's, um, that's, uh, where I'm at right now is, is just really focused on mining. So we can talk more about that later. Awesome. Well, I am very happy to have you all. This should be a good time. I'm, this is always the best part of my week getting to hang out with awesome Bitcoiners. So, uh, we're going to get this show rolling. Anybody that's watching, that's unfamiliar with the show. Uh, this is why are we bullish? And so every person here on stage comes with a reason why they're bullish, something that is currently top of mind, something they're excited about, something that they're interested in. And we each get our chance to kind of share what's top of mind for, for all of us. And so the flow of the show is really simple. Somebody's going to drop a reason why they're bullish first, and that's their chance to rant and tell us what they're thinking about. Up next, we're all going to riff on that reason together. And then finally, we're going to rotate to the next person until we each get a turn. So reason, riff, rotate, simple. Um, I'm going to get us started today, and uh, my reason for being bullish is actually a, a little pet project that I've had going on this past week. Um, very excited about it. 
uh, and it's currently humming away in the other room. Um, <laughs> so, so what I've been working on, if, if anybody is familiar with um, Crypto Cloaks, do you, are you guys familiar with Crypto Cloaks? Oh, the yeah. guys that Perfect. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they, they are awesome. And so so they, um, Rick in particular, uh, he uh, put together this guide on how to use an S9 miner, which is pretty much, it's, it's like very unprofitable to run one, especially home mining right now. Um, but you can, you can use it for a secondary purpose. Um, initially, like they're very loud, right? Like plugging in an S9, just plugging into the wall, it's going to be loud as hell. However, however, um, what you can do is you can actually swap out the fans and you can ramp it down in terms of like the amount of wattage going through it and you can use it as a space heater. And so what he did is he put together this guide um, and basically experimented around and like took full on data through the whole process of him taking an S9 miner and basically getting rid of his old space heater. And so he put together all of these pieces and also 3D printed this case. Um, and so, you know, with just the upgrades, like in terms of like getting the, the case, it's like 150 bucks. But if you have an S9 sitting all around already, then, you know, you, you, you don't have much to deal with. If you're buying an S9 or sourcing one, it might vary. But pretty much you swap out the fans, you plunk it inside the case. And, uh, and then you, you can, you know, put it together with Wi-Fi, you change up the settings, and then you got yourself this fancy little space heater at home. And so I've got mine out there. There's my, my kid uh, poking around at it, curious about it. Um, but yeah, so I've got this out running in the living room right now. Um, here's a little video. I don't know if the sound's going to come through all right, but nonetheless... There's not a whole lot of sound coming for, through it. It's actually quieter than my other space heater that I normally use. Um, so it's it's it's, it's pretty wild. awesome. Um, so I'm I'm pretty excited about it. And I actually, you know, this has this has my uh, my my brains OS right now running. So I can basically monitor it right now. I've got the fans at around fifty five percent. I've got the wattage a little bit down. But basically, you know, I'm what would have been an instance of me having a space heater on in the living room anyways, because my wife is always cold. So she just always has, always has additional heat going instead of just outright paying for that. You're still paying for the power, which, by the way, it's using uh, it's using less power than my original space heater as well. Um, but you're getting reimbursed for part of the power that you're using. So an instance of oh, that miner's un unprofitable. Well, if you can use the, you know, the, the heat that comes off of it in, in some way, shape or form, then really you, you're just negating a, a cost or at least being reimbursed for part of the cost. And so I can, you know, I can watch this and I can adjust it and I can go into my configuration and fine tune it. And I can say, well, maybe I can get a few more Watts in there, or maybe I can, target the temperature a little bit differently or change the fan speed a little bit differently to kind of tune it to get the temperature to to what I'm what I'm happy with and right now this seems to be doing the trick the 
living rooms at a good level. I've been filming kind of the process throughout the week of building it and figuring it out. Funny enough, the Wi-Fi was the most difficult part of it. Like trying to, I'm terrible with networking, but it just wasn't showing up. Anyways, now it's there. Now it's working. And I'm, I'm, uh, you know, you can see where I'm turning it off and on here, but this is my, my brain's pool. And, uh, while I haven't um, stacked many sats yet because it's been so intermittent as I'm playing with it, I'll be, you know, leaving it on all week and kind of seeing what happens and like really any, getting any amount of money back from power I would be using anyways is fantastic. So why not do it? Uh, so I'm very excited to put this video together. I'm very excited for all the interesting ways that people can use home mining to negate costs that involve generating heat. Um, I see in, I see in the comments right now, brains has dark mode. Thank you. You're a hundred percent right. It does have dark mode. I actually detailed this in, <laughs> I actually detailed this in my, uh, uh, in, in my, uh, setup video where I was like, well, obviously you got to turn on, turn on dark mode. I haven't done it yet on my, my mining dashboard, but, but Hey, we can we can all be perfect. Anyways, so yeah, this is what I'm excited about right now. The the idea of being able to um, you know, heat my home and get reimbursed in sats for money that would have been effectively wasted anyways, and all of the other cool ways that people are using Bitcoin mining to heat things like hot tubs or their hot water tank or their home or whatever it may be. Uh, you know, I'd love to I've got a black box outside and um, I've got a, a, an M30 plus, which is like quite a bit beefier than a, than a, an S9. And so I would love to have a greenhouse outside and extend like Calgary just has no summer. And so the idea of being able to maybe extend the amount of time in which we could have stuff planted and, and be able to like grow some of our own food and stuff like that. I love that idea. So, you know, that's something to experiment with in the future. So anyways, that's where I'm at. So I'm going to, I'm going to open it up to you guys and, uh, and yeah, I don't know. Thoughts. Questions? I, uh, I just got to say, right. When you started David Wong comments, ha 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 ha. Poor man's heater. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I try not to laugh the whole time. David's a plant, Ben. Come on, come clean. You know David. David's a total plant. It is so funny. I don't believe it for a second. Poor man's. I love. I love the sentiment of poor man's heater when my heater is actually paying me back. Right, right. It's so very. I mean, and it's quieter than the, your other one. You said. Yeah, it uses less power. Heater. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know. What do you guys think about this? Have you, have you dabbled? Like what, what are your thoughts? I, I haven't dabbled, but I'm, so like on the noise cancellation of it, how did, and you might've said this when I was laughing at David's comment, but <laughs> it, how, how does that work? How do they get it so quiet? Yeah. So, so the, the fans that come with it normally are, are super loud, mm -hmm. even so like out, out the gate, you basically have to get two replacement fans for either side mm. itself. And then the, the power supply. So there's like kind of two main parts to the ASIC itself. There's there's the ASIC with all the hash boards that's actually doing all the com computation. And then there's a smaller unit that's basically the power supply. And that power supply also has a little fan in it. So you just buy replacements that are, are just better than what's attached, which are like Canadian dollars, it was like 30 bucks a pop. So 
I don't know, 20, low 20s in US dollars. And uh, and basically you you unscrew the originals and put on the new ones. And uh, and so that already reduces the sound a ton. And then this operating system that I'm using is is called Brains OS. So what Brains OS does is it uh, it allows you to um, basically change your settings so that you can say like normally your fans right, are just right, running right. at hundred percent. So what you can do is you can say, well, I you know maximum I want you know this number of watts. Normally it's like fourteen hundred and something watts. You can ramp that down, and then you can also say, all right, and then run my my fans at like half speed. And so with less watts and less speed, it still maintains kind of an equilibrium in the temperature of the unit, so it doesn't overheat. Um, but it allows you to basically fine tune the sound. And so what Rick did is he actually went through and he just spent, I don't know how long tinkering with this stuff saying, okay, all right, the fans definitely reduced all, all of the sound. So now how do I tinker with this and fine tune this? And I'm basically using his exact settings. He said 650 Watts and fans at 55%. And that seems to be working pretty well for me. My, the the unit itself like the chips inside get around 80 degrees celsius which puts off enough kind of a, a you know it blows up enough heat into a large room that my living room's like you know just like a nice equilibrium so yeah 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 it's it's pretty sweet like when you see and this is my first experience mining so i've never mined before <laughs> there was like a huge blind spot for me that's a in 30 in the black box you said well, I have it, but I have my my father in law is an electrician, so he's got it. Like you can't just plug this one into a wall. It's oh, like you right. need a stove plug for that bad boy. It's like it's it's all a right. serious. Uh, so I got to update update my circuit uh, my circuit breaker and all that, um, and then and then we'll see where I can funnel that heat. I, I don't have a garage yet, but when we get a garage, um, I'll heat that with it. But it'll be it'll be like a sauna in my garage unless I kind of diverts some of the heat yeah well maybe maybe i could just jump right in because that's a perfect segue uh to what i had in mind um you know i think i think just to maybe sum it up we're all going to look back in a few years and, and kind of chuckle at ourselves for how how silly we were to be heating our heating our water and heating our spaces by just passing electrons through a, a resistance coil Mm -hmm. And with, you know, without providing property rights to the global South or, or however you want to think of, of Bitcoin mm -hmm. network. And um, wait, wait, wait. Just, First, I got to double check. Is this are you going into your reason here? No, I'm not. No, <laughs> okay, I'm, okay, I'm right. just about I'm space sure. heating. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I, Thanks I, for the check. I've been thinking about it. Last yeah. last week, I was telling you, you were going into my show, reason. Then. Last week, <laughs> last week, George, I was like before the show, I was like, nobody say your reason early. We, you know, I'll cue you up. And and then it, in the side chat, I was like, George, did you just like blow your load early? Like, did you just drop your whole reason? He's like, oh, no, I thought. <laughs> so, no. But he was quick. Anyways, continue. I'm sorry. No, no loads have been blown. I will focus <laughs> specifically on space heating. Um, and, you know, I I, uh, I think, you know, I, I actually have a, an S9, a naked S9 down in my living room right now. And I can tell you exactly how warm your garage is going to get with a couple M30s in a black box. You know, and it was heating my three-story townhome over the winter, but um, it's too much now, so it's on the rooftop. But I love it. You're you're absolutely right. Like stacking those value, stacking those values, right? Like I would have had the heat on anyway, 
So now I don't need to turn the heat on all winter. And at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm mining those Satoshis. And, you know, the other thing I'd throw out there too, I love, I love uh, crypto cloaks. I think that that product that you just, I mean, it's amazing. And, you know, but the other, the other company, I think that I would just, is it okay if I just chill another company real quick? Okay, go ahead. And this, you know, I think, I think Heapbit also, we probably all heard it, Heapbit or, or most people have, um, you know, their, their space heater, very similar concept, uh, you know, less, less DIY, more like a product that you buy. And there, I've heard so, so many great things about their version two that's coming out here probably later this year that I'm really excited, you know, whether, whether you do it through the crypto cloaks kind of DIY version, or you want to buy a more like, um, you know, a, a product that's already put together from, from a company like Heapit. These are just, these are just going to become commonplace. There, there's not going to be a reason why you would ever want to buy just a standard dumb space heater from Home Depot or Lowe's. You're going to want to get these. And and I think the price points are, you just mentioned, Ben, that those price points are very, very competitive to like a good space heater yeah. that you would get anyway. So Money heaters. Money yeah. heaters. There you go. Yeah, That's right. I want a money heater. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's so much you can do with it too. Like I, again, I know somebody who has a hot tub heated by a, a, like a, a miner. Oh, that's um, so cool. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Like it's incredible. And like heating garages is, is like a pretty normal, thing, but it's, it gets really hot in there. Um, yeah. There's, I mean, there's, there's a lot, if you have something that requires heat. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like your wife. Wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I reached out to Mint Green and mm -hmm. I said, you know, I know nothing about mining. Can I come over and just check out what you, you know, the mining situation you guys have going on? And they were so gracious and they said, of course, come in. Are you ready to go in? I was like, yeah, it's got to be very loud. Do you want some headphones? I was like, no, I'm fine. How loud can this thing be? <laughs> <laughs> and they had so many minor, miners and we went in. I was like, what are you saying? And I was like, this is so cool. And I get closer to them and you could see Colin go, no. And my hair just got sucked into the miners. I lost so much hair that day. I was like, oh, oh no. no. And I'm wow. pulling it back and Colin is helping me. And I'm like, oh my God, okay. They're a health hazard. Ooh. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm sorry to hear that. They're that sounds... so powerful. They're so loud, so powerful. Um, so yeah, if you're going to go in and see some miners, be careful. Getting you might get sucked in. You might lose some hairs. Is that, oh, is that, man. I wonder if that's why Breedlove like chopped his hair. <laughs> 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 that's, that's what happened. Hey, and, and Steve. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Right. Like I feel like, uh, well, you know, I, I was a, personally, I was a fan of the man bun. So, you know, maybe he'll grow back one day and just avoid the ASICs. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm very interested to learn more. Um, I got to give a shout out to, uh, again, first Rick, who's been like helping me literally anytime I DM him, I'm like, yo, dude, what the fuck? I can't like, how does this work? Or this screw doesn't go in the right place. And he, like just the whole way through. And it's very much, it's very evident, like how early concepts like this are because like so much of it, he was like, yeah, I don't know, man. I like, I screwed around <laughs> and then I got it to work somehow. You just so got to jimmy it. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. He's like, he's like, this is the fun of it. I guess just, you know, here's what I tried. It didn't work half the time and now it does. Um, so yeah, like it's, if, if anybody out there is watching this and they're like, I don't know if I have 
the know-how to do it. Neither did I. <laughs> and I, I just I got my S nine sitting on a milk crate downstairs. Yeah. So you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's it's Start small. And the whole point, like for those that are looking to learn, this is a fantastic way to learn, right? Like you're all you're doing is you're basically trying to hodgepodge together your like a space heater, and it it does away with the. You know, previously, like an S9 is a good thing to learn on anyways, because you can get it from sheep and just play around. Mm -hmm. But like now it'll actually have a use afterwards other than just learning. You can now plug it in and just like, you know, have, you know, warm your home and or like, you know, bump up the heat in certain rooms. Um, But I think it's a fantastic way to learn. And I'm really glad this is going to be kind of my first focus on on mining in terms of tutorials because it's a practical way that people can get started. And then when they learn, they'll be like, okay, so this, but with a higher end machine and, and I've just got to make sure that the, the cost basis makes sense. Um, but I think again, like to, to kind of break into how do I home mine and make it worthwhile other than just the learning part? I don't think you can go wrong here. So yeah. Uh, hey, uh, Eric, a totally unrelated, a bit of a segue. Yellow wants to know why so many whiteboards. So okay, so that that's old faithful right there, and <laughs> I got that off Craigslist for twenty bucks, and it's a total piece of shit. It's all like wavy, and it kind of like pokes in when I'm writing on it. And then my sister was moving, and she was just like, she had this like super fancy whiteboard, and I was just like, give me that, and she gave it to me. So now I got to, I can't get rid of old faithful. We've been through some good times together, but I don't really use it anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can, you can draw fun pictures on it or something, I think. Yeah, exactly. I could do a little yellow meme on it. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Is it a ping pong table? Yeah, it is. It's a Cornelia <laughs> ping pong table. That's, That's awesome. right. Yeah, I got a lot of shit. Taking back me here. back to my forget. college days. Yeah. yeah. Oh, are you a good player? No. Uh, <laughs> well, well, neither neither is Eric. Just just in between like planning sessions for the fund, he's playing flip cup. <laughs> there you go, I, I, I peaked in high school on my ping pong skills. Got to the semifinals <laughs> in the school doubles tournament. That was fun. Cool. I'm terrible yeah. at ping pong. Wow. I cannot. I don't have the control. <laughs> that's awesome um all right well i guess i'm, I'm gonna round out this topic um i'll probably be dropping that tutorial early next week i just got to kind of film the the wi-fi portion of it um but yeah if you're curious just head to cryptocloaks.com and you can see like there's like a home mining section and they've got like a little how to there uh if you want to get an early jump on it but yeah pretty awesome uh very excited to dive into my blind spot. But uh, <laughs> with that, uh, we're going to do a little rotation here. Uh, first, I'll give a shout out to, again, everybody in the, the chat. I'm going to start pulling up more comments here as I uh, as the show gets in and I'm not uh, actively unloading my own reason. But um, also give it a share, like, all that good stuff. Get more eyeballs in here. And uh, I'm going to uh, toss it to ILN. And I'll just cue you up with a simple question. Why are you bullish? God, there's so many reasons. Um, But, you know, I I sent out, I'll start with kind of sharing a little trend that I'm noticing. Um, I sent out a newsletter um, earlier this week. 
and I was trying something different and it was like, okay, I really love to do these profiles on Bitcoiners or just people whose life is changing with Bitcoin. But there are a lot of work and I've been taking some time off to think about the podcast and the newsletter, but I really I have this itch to write. So I'm just going to share these articles that I found interesting. And one of them was, um, it was, I think, Mackenzie from CNBC yes. published an article called, I have it written down, it's called Bitcoin is po poised to blow up Africa's six, $6 billion bank banking system. Mm -hmm. and that's really interesting, you know, because that's really such a powerful, powerful headline. And I remember also just seeing in Forbes, seeing a few of just these like different articles coming up and they're about like, I'm going to read them because I wrote them down. Um, regardless of price, Bitcoin is a lifeline for African refugees. That one was written by Farida Naburema who is a human rights activist. There was also, yeah, mm -hmm. that's the article. That was an amazing article. If you get a chance to read it, you should definitely read it. Um, yeah, and then the other articles from Forbes is like the Nigerian election and our crisis are fueling Bitcoin adoption by Abu Bakar, Bitcoin developer, and then um, how Africans are using Bitcoin without internet access. And I'm like, this is so interesting because I remember going to Forbes a year ago trying to learn about Bitcoin and it was just, no offense, not very exciting content. Mm -hmm. And it was very much XRP, Ethereum, the price, and they didn't post it often. But now for the month of March, you're seeing still that kind of content, but now more how Bitcoin is changing the global South in Africa. And they're also going into the banking crisis and trying to explain what's going on there. They even had an article called, if crypto keeps up its momentum, more people will be interested in pivoting their careers towards the space. So I think that's mind blowing that they're kind of shifting a little bit and, and kind of exposing the fiat system and the banking system while also talking about Bitcoin as money and not an investable asset and how it's changing people's lives. And it's not a scam, but it's life-giving and it gives you opportunities. And then also talking about job opportunities in the space. So if you're a Forbes reader and you're going there, you're like, you will notice that there's a shift in content and in the narrative around Bitcoin. And I think that's fascinating. Um, it kind of begs the question, why is this shift happening? You know, I'm trying to think about it. You know, could it be that I don't know, they, they hired somebody in the management team or the editorial team and they're a Bitcoiner, or maybe, I don't know, their numbers are down, like their views and revenue are down. So they're trying to think, how do we talk more uniquely about this space? Or maybe they're like, oh my God, this thing isn't dying. <laughs> we better get on board. Yeah. It's really, I find that so fascinating that this change is happening within the last month. And I'm really curious to see where it goes for the rest of the year. And, you know, I think smaller media outlets will follow suit if they continue down this path. And I think that's huge. And that's going to open people's eyes to the actual power of Bitcoin. So I'm really excited about that. And I think it's awesome. I love that. <laughs> so the, the Africa stuff is, is such a great thing to highlight, right? Like it's, it's, it kind of plays to the, the whole Alex Gladstein, check your financial privilege kind of mentality of, you know, in the West, it's so easy for people that that aren't already interested in Bitcoin to just dismiss it and be like, oh, it's it's useless because, yeah, you, you know, you've got access to to the greatest banking infrastructure on the planet, which apparently still isn't that great <laughs> um, <laughs> as we've been seeing. But nonetheless, like, you know, for the most part, you can like you can move your money around fairly easily 
you can you can access a lot of things that the average you know average person on the globe uh, cannot. Um, and so it's it's so easy to be dismissive of it. But when you're presented with these types of pieces of content in in the mainstream, all of a sudden it becomes it. You know, if, if you're shitting on it, it's like, well, why are you being such a dick? Like all of these people it, that are less privileged than you are are actually being rescued by this kind of global network why you know why would you look down upon that you know and and not only that but you don't have the firsthand experience there's people from these places that are telling you this yeah. is my lifeline and and you're still being dismissive so like who are they to believe the person that is saying this is this is helping me this is rescuing me or the person in the first world country with a jp morgan account that's saying eh, it's not it's useless like you know, totally they, it's going to be so ironic in years to come too. not only for like the financial privilege aspect of it, but also on the energy side. It's kind of funny how like much like in particular, like leftist type media too is pushing narratives to support these types of concepts while shitting on Bitcoin and they're completely shooting themselves in the foot and they're going to have egg on their face because of it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. You know, it's just maybe, rescuing re rescuing them from what right like <clears throat> they take a look at what they're dealing with right you have hyperinflation you have money that they have no control over i mean if we're talking about the continent of africa i mean just just look at, it was in the headline right the continent of africa or maybe even sub-saharan africa the banking sector is 86 billion dollars like yeah that's it i mean it's and not to not to poo poo i, I mean it's just it's, it just is an example of you know, what this, what these people have been struggling with for so long. And, um, you know, I think the good news is that Bitcoin is going to be their lifeboat. It is going to be their, um, their rescue, their uh, escape hatch. And, and, you know, just maybe the last thing I'd say is, uh, you know, they, they have the youth and the youth are, are making it happen over there. And that's really exciting. And just in general, I think, um, Island, you mentioned, the brain drain and you know i'm here to i'm here to tell everybody the brain drain is real and i'm i'm a, an example of it like in the in the flesh and i and i know others and everybody knows others but but absolutely the brain drain is real in in any sector that you're looking at and you know it's just I, i'm all, i'm constantly impressed with you know just meeting you people but then also everybody that you talk to in this space the the level of uh, intellect and and compassion and you know just insight is it's incredible so yeah and on that note like so for the podcast what I'm trying to do is talk to everyday people like I think the big names are awesome but you know I'm more excited just about everyday people and I recently recorded a podcast with this a gentleman called Gary Jordan who goes by the blind bitcoiner on Twitter mm -hmm. and I was like I've got to talk to him and um just learned about his story and he was just saying how there's so many obstacles and challenges when it comes to online banking in general and that he can't just do anything easily he's got to call up his bank to get things sorted out even if they're very simple and he was also talking about how challenging it is also to be on bitcoin that he can't really sell custody and there's no braille for a lot of these apps there's no sound uh for these applications as well and so unwrapping and off can be difficult 
but he's still so excited about it and he's still so bullish about it that he's telling his he was saying i'm telling my friends who are blind about bitcoin because we don't just have to depend on the government we can be independent and we can have this asset that's going to last and you know allow us to build wealth and become more you know empowered and independent and i thought that was so amazing that even for people that are typically disenfranchised and pushed out to the margins are feeling empowered enough to be leaders in their own communities and teach bitcoin i think that's just like super super cool to see yeah there he is it's so, oh, it's so awesome he's yeah, so that bio awesome. is badass yeah I yeah I, I am blind. I am currently researching the Bitcoin economy to see if this might help disabled people have a better life than receiving a government begging bowl. That, that's a great profile. Um, awesome. That was bad. Yeah. I mean, it's, it does bring up an interesting line of thought and, and like one that, again, because Bitcoin is still in a, in a global sense so niche that We've yet to really like come across and grapple with the accessibility accessibility issue of like, well, if you're if you're blind, like, how do you how do you self custody and like verify and all of those things that you're used to? How how do you interface with with things like that? Um, and so you know, like, it, it'll be cool to see Bitcoiners hopefully rise to that challenge and create solutions for people like this, where it's like, I mean, even just, you see examples of, um, uh, who is it? Like Joe Hall going down to El Salvador and, and being like, you know, seeing the practicality of certain things that we're used to here at home is, is very different from like, you're out in the sun at like a street merchant with a cracked screen and you're trying to scan QR <laughs> and it's like, shit, you know, maybe, maybe we need to have more optionality like NFC and stuff like that to enable different ways of transacting um, in situations where it's difficult to do even just things like that. And so again, to have an individual who's blind that, you know, is interested and wants to, to benefit from what Bitcoin can offer um, but, you know, there's these hurdles to kind of get over in order to be able to do that. Um, yeah, it, it'll be it'll be great to see. And, and if anybody's going to do it, Bitcoiners are going to do it. Bitcoiners totally. are going to do 100%. I think the Bitcoin community is going to hear him and be excited to help or just at least network and, and learn from him. I'm, I, I believe in the Bitcoin community. They yeah. Unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, again, like voice, uh, somebody was saying like chat, chat GPT interface for blind, for the blind and like having like the, the ability to speak and get commands and get information. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of interesting things that can be done. Um, I'm sure we'll see them. I'm sure we'll see them coming, coming down the pipeline at some point. So um, I, I don't know, Eric, Justin, do you want to tag in any other uh, thoughts around this topic before we do a rotation? Oh, yeah, I can. Uh, yeah, I think uh, going back to the Africa piece, that's um, in, in look, guys, I'm so bullish. Right. Mm. But um, <laughs> it, It's definitely something where I think like Bitcoiners need to also have like a boots on the ground understanding, too, of how a lot of that's going to work out. It's not as if, you know, it's just some quick fix to everything. And I think it's kind of interesting just how different the demands are for the purpose of Bitcoin in different regions of the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, down in Africa, it's like 
the 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 huge value add is a lot of what the lightning network has to offer mm-hmm. and you know the they they need a medium of exchange you know we're all pretty familiar that they're interested in things that have more stability and you just can't take on that kind of risk but it's really cool how a lot of that's actually being applied over the lightning network and um and I think that like, you know, so like th- this economy, like the majority of it runs off of mobile money systems. So there's a lot of people working really hard to take these mobile money type systems and basically apply a very similar thing via the Lightning Network and then implement microfinance through that for some of these communities. There's um, an entrepreneur named Radoy Stoyanov who I've been talking to, and he's building this protocol called the Grower Protocol that's trying to do exactly that. And... Um, and it's really complex. It's really hard when you get into the weeds on like how they're actually going to be implementing some of this stuff. It, it's definitely no, you know, small order. It's a tall task. And then the regulatory risk that comes into play that, you know, these people have to deal with all the time just to get these solutions down there. Um, but we're fighting for it and we're pushing it hard. And I think that there's a ton of value that's coming from it and they're starting to realize it. I've talked to a lot of different communities down there and had some conversations with people and, um, and yeah, they're, they're very excited, but we, you know, we need to make sure that we're bringing them what they want, not just, you know, talking about things that are going to make number go up too. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Just, Justin, do you have any final thoughts before we uh, rotate? Uh, no, no, we can go ahead and rotate. <laughs> All right. Awesome. <laughs> I love that. Again, I love the topic. Um, again, watching the, uh, the, the African Bitcoin conference. Um, you know, seeing, seeing clips from that, seeing how passionate everybody was down there, uh, was awesome. I'm very sad that I didn't get to attend that one. It just wasn't in the car. Um, but it would, uh, you know, I, I think I will make a concerted effort to get out there soon. There's so much going on. There's so many conferences now. It's hard to keep up. So many continents. it, It is. It's, it's, it's insane. I think, I, you know, it's almost like you need to like, you know, set, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go to X number of places, you know, this year, totally. if I, if I can make it and then be like, you know, if I go here this year, I have to go somewhere else next year. Cause it's, yeah. How, how do you juggle? There, there's um, so much now. And then like pairing that with personal travel too. Like yeah. I'm in my late twenties and I'm kind of in you know, wedding season, all my friends are getting married. And it's like, I got I to gotta start telling people, no, this whole Q1 this year, I was basically gone. Yeah, so, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't make know. the comp. I can't make the wedding. That's conference day. Yeah. It's Bitcoin Miami, man. Sorry. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. So we're going to do a rotation here again. Shout out everybody in, uh, in the chat. Apparently yellow tweeted out that he's, he, everybody come watch because he's naked. Uh, but it Ooh, turns out uh, it, it turns out it was a rug pull because he's always naked. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so yellow, thank thank you for the uh, the extra shout out here. Um, nonetheless, we're gonna do a rotation here. Uh, I'm gonna toss it down to Eric, and I'm gonna cue you up with a simple question: Why are you bullish? Ah, uh, okay. Uh, I think. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty bullish right now. I think that there's just, you know, there's there's a ton of crazy shit going on in the world. And this whole U.S. banking system deal is, uh, I mean, it's honestly not quite what I expected. Um, 
I think when we saw like Silicon Valley bank crash and all of that, I was thinking it was going to be a bit more contained. And then now that a lot more information's come out, um, you know, things are really wild. And I kind of would have expected Bitcoin to crash more. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it's done really well. And I'm not as much like a short term price guy. Um, but nonetheless, I'm still pretty surprised by that. And, you know, I think like that said, like the Nasdaq's up and people are starting to invest in more riskier things, too. So it's important to not really get ahead of ourselves. And so like, oh, the banking system's crashing and people want Bitcoin. And, you know, that's the narrative. What I what I think I'm most bullish about and what I think is going to spread very far and wide is this is all over the headlines. Bitcoin's been getting a lot of attention. And the key narrative that's really spinning out of all of this is that this asset doesn't have counterparty risk and everything else that you do does. And, and that's huge because I think during some of the prior cycles, it was, you know, Bitcoin's an inflation hedge or, you know, stock to flow bottle or things like that. And they were never really like, I think like fundamental narratives that say, no, this is an alternative financial system where the risks are different and people aren't in control. And it's just completely decentralized. And I feel like through this cycle with what's happening in the world right now, I think we're actually going to get to a point where that narrative starts to spread. And I feel like we're going to start building on that pretty significantly this year. So I'm, I'm pretty bullish. I, I think that when, with, when you pair that narrative and how I think that's going to start to emerge throughout Normie world with uh, everything that's getting built on Bitcoin right now too, there's a lot of people that are realizing that there's actually a lot of cool new technologies for scaling and for programmability and all these other things that are going to allow like basic financial services to start to emerge on Bitcoin and be much more practical at the consumer level. And I think that's coming in like the next few years. I think we're kind of at this major inflection point right now where we're going to see a lot more direct consumer financial services start to emerge. It's going to be built on Bitcoin and we're not going to be having tokens issued and we're going to be using one form of money and it's going to be pushed into different layers of technology. And I think that all of that together with this narrative, I think things, you know, I was a little worried during the crash for last year. I was like, Oh, it's going to be a few years before things turn around. And with what's starting to come out with technology and what, the traditional financial system is showing to people and being, you know, the best marketing resource that we have in the Bitcoin community. I don't know, man. I think shit's going to get pretty wild by end of year. I think that, I think we might start to see some pretty cool shit happen. It's, it's, it's a unique moment for, for Bitcoin because through, through the rest of Bitcoin's existence, we were basically always kind of, in the perpetual like money printer go burr, mm-hmm. you know, you know, everything is, you know, the stock market's always up. Like there's, there's always been this as a backdrop and um, we're now, you know, in, in, in the midst of, again, like some of these like banking liquidity crises and, and collapses and, and again, as as you said, the the counterparty risk thing, and and the narrative right now is, I mean, kind of there. There's still a lot of caution, but like you said, people are starting to dabble back into riskier assets again. But it, it's just a very unique time to be going into a having, I think. Totally. Um, yeah. 
yeah, it's it's it. I'm I'm very curious to kind of see what that narrative looks like, especially in the face of, you know, obviously that you know you you can't you can't turn off that printer for long before shit starts to break, right? And and mm-hmm. and we've we've begun to see like they basically undid how how much of the was it like half or more of of all of the the qt that they did in the past year they undid in like two weeks uh <laughs> yeah it was it, uh i don't, Maybe I don't more. know yeah, yeah. Uh, hundreds of billions but mm-hmm. um yeah I, I, I don't know what the final number is but yeah it's it, it's totally crazy and people are realizing like there's two options here it's either we crash our financial system or we push ourselves into inflation. There really isn't an avenue out of this. And like, you know, that narrative's existed at least in the Bitcoin community for some time, mm-hmm. but um, it's kind of coming to a head now. And people are realizing with this, you know, Fed effectively pivoting from prior policy within two weeks that they don't know what they're doing and things are getting pretty wild. And I think we're gonna, yeah, to your point, going into a halving, we're gonna start to see a lot of this get realized. That's so, pretty bullish. so to, to, to given we're talking about your ping pong table, here's my metaphor. <laughs> so, so you've got two people on either side of the ping pong table. One is inflation and, uh, one is, is collapse. Um, and you know, the beginning of a ping pong match is boing, boing, you know, kind of like, you know, lightly, bing, bing. you know, and then all of a sudden things start to intensify and that that ball starts flying back and forth super fast. And that seems like where we're at now before it was like, Oh shit, everything's blowing up. Cool. We're going to print a bunch of money. Cool. The ball is slowly coming to the other side of the table. We'll swat it back. Oh shit. Stuff's starting to break. Maybe we'll end it going back and forth. And now it's like, all right, print trillions. Uh, and then raise stop, rates, raise rates <laughs> as fast as possible. Oh shit, stuff is breaking. Undo like half of that QT in two weeks. All right, lob it back. Like it's boom, 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 boom. And now it's like people are realizing, do you guys, you know, like everybody's <laughs> going to be like, do you guys have a handle on this? Because it kind of seems like you're not quite sure. And like you get yelling, and she's like, well, no, I, it would, in order to, for any other banks to get the same treatment, it would have to go through this and that. And then like dialing it back literally a, 180 degrees the next day within 24 hours, yeah. totally different pages. And everybody's like, oh, fuck. Nobody knows what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of where we're at right now. Right. Well, oh, no, we shouldn't have 12 people controlling what happens with the world's money. Uh, yeah, but it, I, I should put a side note. David Wong says, my checking account is earning 4.5% <laughs> risk-free right no now. Risk. Damn, well, risk doesn't free. have over 250K, I guess. That's good for him. <laughs> I want that risk-free 4.5. Yeah. It's, <laughs> to quote the great Raoul Paul, it, it's practically it's risk-free. Practically risk-free. Wait, what's inflation? so but so here's 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 i think the the part that um i don't know like we'll see is it over or is it not like has has the tide been been stemmed or not like um because i had i had a friend who's in the banking industry when um when silvergate went down and he's like well uh you know it just it just goes to show you that it's all about banks having you know solid solid uh, fundamentals and good balance sheets. And I was like, yeah, like U.S. treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. You know, like you just, like that was the problem. And now you just described basically every bank. (laughs) So (laughs) um, 
don't, you know, it, I think people, if they, if they take the message that this was just, um, you know, risky lending or uh, consolidated depositors or, or what have you, that um, they're, they're going to be missing the forest through the trees because this was, this was the fact that the banks loaded up on long duration assets, treasuries. And, you know, I learned everything I know from Greg Foss and, and everybody, but, uh, you know, and then, and then they just got railed with the interest rates and all their, all their liquidity got devalued. And, um, and then people went to get their money back. So, you know, it's the, the fact that now people are recognizing this counterparty risk, right? Like, mm -hmm. and, and maybe, maybe your funds are insured uh, up to 250K probably, or, or, or maybe they're even insured over 250K. Like what is, what is insurance anymore? What is the FDIC, right? Like everybody just gets what they want at this point, or, or maybe it's not right. Like, <laughs> there's your counterparty risk right there. Um, and so the fact that Bitcoin is, is holding strong here and that, and it's, it's mm -hmm. part of the narrative, I think is just incredibly bullish, you know, and some people are going to get it and they're going to make the, you know, and, and it's a one-way door and they'll, they'll learn, they'll learn along the way. And some people won't, and they'll, they'll transfer their money to JP Morgan or Wells Fargo, but you know, they'll learn, they'll learn at some point, but um, you know, yeah, uh, is this is this maybe a decoupling? Uh, maybe not. Is it risk on or risk off? It's it's hard to tell. But um, it's it's uh, it's it's more than I had on my bingo card for twenty twenty three. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and we're we're you know we're discussing this in the you know kind of systemic you know gr grander picture kind of mindset, um, but like you know for the average person, how this is playing out is, is pretty unprecedented as well. Like, you know, I mean, I'm in Canada, Eileen, uh, Eileen, you're, you're West coast, right? I am. Yeah. So one of the most expensive cities in the world. I did not know that when I moved here. Yes. Well, you found out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucked around and found out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like, so I saw something the other day um, because so anybody in the U S um, you know, Canada's interesting in that we had our central bank more or less giving advice, giving financial advice to individuals on, you know, what they should, where they should put their money. And in 2020, I shit you not in 2020, early 2020, the, the, the governor of the bank of Canada said publicly in a press conference, listen, if you are looking to make a large purchase and, you know, uh, you know, adds add debt, whether it be buying a home or, or making a, getting a large loan to start a business or whatever it is like now is a good time to do it. You can go and you can buy a house and you can expect that interest rates are going to be very low for a very long time. And so a ton of people went and did that. A ton of people went and bought homes in Canada in like places like the West Coast, where it's the most expensive real estate, some of the most expensive real estate on the planet. Yeah. And and again, record low rates. And then they printed a ton of money. Inflation went up like crazy. And so everybody's already being pinched by like, oh, I can't afford groceries. I can't afford to fuel my car. I can't afford this, that and the other thing. And then the Bank of Canada, like 
I, just like the Fed uh, increases their interest rates at breakneck speed, the fastest they've ever done it in such a short period of time. And then again, I shit you not, the Bank of Canada, like two years after they told everybody to go out and buy a house, comes out and says, hey, if you bought a house in 2020 or 2021, like, and Loki, exactly when we told you to, effectively you're fucked because what's going to happen is if you had a variable rate mortgage, you can yeah. expect it to go up um, in, you know, <laughs> by like 45% um, your monthly payments. And if you have a fixed rate mortgage, the way that it works in Canada is every five years you renegotiate your rate, even if it's fixed. So it's fixed for five years and then you renegotiate. So like they're like, oh, if you got a fixed rate mortgage, then and you know, in five by 2025, 2026, you're gonna renegotiate. You could probably expect it to go up by like 30% or more. Uh, well, the month. rates will be zero by then again. Yeah, yeah. We won't even. <laughs> and, but like the the you're seeing some of them come to fruition now. I saw a picture of somebody's uh, breakdown of their mortgage, and uh, and so what the banks are starting to do is they're saying because they're like, oh shit, we're gonna have defaults, we're gonna have we're gonna have um, uh, foreclosures and all this other shit, and there's not gonna be buyers because the rates are so high, and we're gonna have to sell it much lower. And so what they're starting to do is they're just lengthening the term. And so this person, <laughs> this person had their mortgage and it showed that they had a monthly cost of, I think it was like six grand Canadian. And it was for 72 years. <laughs> <laughs> like literally you're, you're in debt for yeah, the amateurized over life. 72 years. You yeah. will then die. And then your kids can take over the mortgage payments on your house. Like I mean, this it sounds like a nice insanity. house. Like yeah, <laughs> like so. So this is kind of where we're going because the banks are like, well, I guess, and and in, in Canada, the banks kind of do what the hell they want, I suppose. Um, but like it's this is kind of where where it's going. It's either foreclosures and losing money and you know throwing in the towel, or like stay in the house that you want and just know that. You're effectively renting. That's what that's what you're doing. You're just renting for the rest of your life. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Well, that, yeah. that's, I mean that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was just gonna say what you just described, Ben, is like it's exactly what happened to the banks. You know, Powell said we're not even thinking about thinking about raising interest rates, and they said, okay, well, we'll load up on these long duration assets. Yeah. And then boom, they get their faces ripped off the next year, and <laughs> and so you know do they go bust? Like, do we just let the banks collapse or does the fed just come in and say, Oh, don't worry. We'll just, uh, yeah. we'll just buy those at par. Like we'll yeah. just, you know, can we, I wish I could sell my Bitcoin. Well, no one wants to sell their Bitcoin, but if someone offered me 69 K for my Bitcoin right now, I might, I might think about it, you know, yeah. or you get, you get 69 K and then you go buy two. Bitcoin. And then I go buy more. Yeah. I buy three more. Yeah. I'll send you one Bitcoin and I'll go buy three. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. I wonder yeah. if any banks like got got lent at par. Um, <laughs> and then go buy more. And then went and bought more U.S. Treasuries. Ten years. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. I don't know. Uh, uh, Island, you were, you were going to say something as well. Yeah. So again, I'm in Vancouver, the West Coast. Really expensive city. And you almost have like two groups of people. There's a really wealthy and then there's the really outdoorsy, adventurous person who's not that wealthy. 
and they're, 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 they're poor, like not poor in the global <laughs> context, but like, if you live in Vancouver, you're, you're effectively poor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Living out of their forester on the curb. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It, it, and it, it's just insane to see, you know, I've had coworkers ask, do you think like 60% of your income going to your mortgage is a lot? And I was like, oh my gosh. Oof. I was like, you, I don't want to be like, are you insane? You know, but there's also that like a lot of, I'm kind of like Eric where a lot of my friends are getting married and then what comes after is buying a house. And <laughs> I was dead too. I, I hurt for them, but um, it really is insane for to see just young adults getting feel the pressure to buy a home, be in so much debt, and then figure out okay, I can get my groceries if I get milk in this grocery store, it'll be cheaper than this one. And so then you're spending energy trying to figure out where else you can like save money and save gas and they're not realizing just that mental cost, that psychological tax, that wear and tear that it's having on their life and their self-esteem. And it doesn't matter. It almost doesn't seem like no matter how hard it gets, I'm like, what about Bitcoin? They're like, oh, I don't have money for Bitcoin for a scam. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's, it's a hard sell sometimes when somebody is just so stressed and in so much debt that they can't think clearly. And so it really is a sort of like marathon to tell someone about Bitcoin, to be patient, to send them a few sads just to show them the way. But, you know, I think it can be done if you have a lot of love and patience, you know, a lot of people need that help. It's, it's unfortunate because a lot of people, they, they learn, they, they learn most effectively through, through, you know, pain and, mm -hmm. and through, through the mistakes that they make. And so, I mean, the beautiful thing about Bitcoin is yes, like a hundred percent. I, I want the people that I love and care about to, understand it as fully as possible and get there before they have to experience that pain. But mm -hmm. for the people that kind of, you know, refuse to go down that rabbit hole or maybe aren't even presented with the choice to begin understanding it when, when they experience that pain, they can still immediately switch over and immediately be benefited by Bitcoin. Like it's, it's just whatever point, like, again, and we, we don't, we don't want people to go through that pain of, of, oh my God, I've lost so much, but at least we now know there's an outlet. Like there's, there's, there's an escape valve, uh, you know, much to the chagrin of people like Christine Lagarde, who used the term initially, but there, there is an escape valve that exists for those people that when, when they hit that, that wall where it's like, I've experienced the maximum amount of pain and I need to find that outlet, it will be there and it will become more clear the more people are experiencing that pain and they can instantly swap over and be like, all right, I'm, I'm out. And they can start moving down that path and the, the more quickly they do it, the less pain they'll have to endure, but they have their out. Totally. Yeah. It's uh, so I don't know. I, I, I hope to see more people clue into that over time. I think more are um, it, it's it's really it's really exciting to see individual people like I, I get people all the time, you know, calling, you know, asking for like one on one sessions and, and learning and everything. And the speed at which people are learning is incredible. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can't wait to see more of it. But um, yeah. Well, and you know, it's just when you watch movies like the Titanic, maybe or, or something else, and, and there's the lifeboat scenes, and 
you know, at some point when you're in the lifeboat and you got the people you care with you, that you care about with you in the lifeboat and you're pulling away, like at some point, other people trying to get in the lifeboat becomes a risk to everything. Right. And you're almost like kind of shooing people away, you know, cause you don't want the um, boat to like flip over or whatever. But I feel like Bitcoin is almost the exact opposite. I mean, it is the exact opposite, right? We're like the more people that we get in the lifeboat, the quicker that they come to the lifeboat, like the stronger the lifeboat's going to get. And so I think that's kind of a, an interesting little um, nuance yeah. there. And and there will literally always be enough space in the lifeboat. Yeah, it's, right. like, it's like it's like the lifeboat just grows as the Titanic sinks. It's like, oh, yeah, there's another seat back here. Swim <laughs> over. It's fine. Bring some your people, mom. You know, some people are going to get a little cold. Some people are going to lose a few toes. But like pretty much right. you're, you're going to survive. We're going to make it. <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I got to give a, a shout out to Siva in, in the comments. Uh, good quote from Henry Ford. It is well enough that people of the nation do not understand our banking and monetary system for if they did, I believe there would be a revolution before tomorrow morning. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of people are, are, you know, not not enough, but a lot more people are are kind of understanding that they're they're starting to they're starting to clue in, and um, you know that's all we need. We just need a few people at a time to to grasp what what's happening and to grasp how kind of incorruptible or like as close to incorruptible as possible Bitcoin is, um, and that's you know that's all we can hope for. So with that. Uh, we're going to do another rotation, um, quick, just in, just in on the donkey from David Wong law, whoever owned Bitcoin pay $1 million and 20 years in jail. Everyone would sell. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Thank you, David. No, what I'd, Bitcoin? I'd, I'd move. <laughs> I would jump in a boat, have a boating accident. And then, move. Yeah. um, yep. nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to do a rotation. Uh, again, shout out to everybody in the chat. Um, keep the keep the comments coming. And uh, Justin, I'm going to toss it to you. Simple question. Why are you bullish? Yeah, yeah. Um, why, why am I not bullish? Uh, but, um, you know, I think so I can I can uh, blow my wad now. So you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I got permission. Okay. Uh, Watch shall so, be blown. Yes. <laughs> Speaking I'll, of I'll blown pay. loads, I really got a pee break. Sorry. <laughs> Fantastic. Keep that phone on. Okay. Um, you want to hear this? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, if I was to boil it down, I'd say hash rate, right? Um, hash rate has me bullish. Uh, and it's one of those, it's one of those weird, almost like masochistic things where, you see it going up and you know that your share of the fixed supply daily issuance is getting, you know, getting smaller and smaller, you know, someone's drinking your milkshake. Uh, but it's still just so exciting to see. And, you know, I just, I, I mentioned the brain drain. So I recently uh, started with a, a new, a new infrastructure company, standard power and just seeing the, um, the infrastructure that is is behind that hash rate you know it's easy enough just to look at the chart of of it climbing to all-time record highs but when when you have an understanding of the um 
you know, the transformers, the cables, the hash huts, the, the ASICs, the machines, like just this, the, all this industry that's going in and we don't know where it's all happening. It could be in oil fields in Oman, West Texas, wind farms. It could be, uh, you know, at, at the site we're setting up in, in Ohio. It's just, you, when you recognize what that line really represents is like this energy infrastructure that is being built out. Um, you know, it could be in a, a national park in uh, Africa that's, that's setting up a little microgrid to fund fund their operations. Um, it's incredible, and and it just has me has me so excited. And you know, I think I think where where I really start to um, get bullish is uh, with the you know recognizing all the strategic integration of ASICs mining. You know, and, and Ben, you already mentioned earlier. One of them being reusing the heat for space heating, but um, you know when it comes to the electric grid, there's just so much opportunity that I think um, electric utilities and Bitcoin miners are are recognizing and taking advantage of. You know we've all heard about. Uh, well, if you haven't, I'll tell you right now the the winter storm in Texas over Christmas when uh, yeah. upwards of 1.5 gigawatts. Okay, that's 1,500 megawatts, you know, that's 1,500,000 kilowatts was shut down almost, you know, exactly when it needed to shut down and they avoided blackouts. And it was probably like the single largest demand response event in, in human history, like by one particular industry. I, I haven't done the research, but I, it's hard for me to think of something that was, was larger and more coordinated than that. Um, so that's happening, but that's just one example. And, you know, at the same time, we're seeing the Bitcoin mining provide value to the grid and and uh, increase reliability and, you know, any number of things. Uh, we also have this other side of the coin where we're seeing um, the opportunity for rural revitalization. You know, uh, you could think of or I've started to think of um, Bitcoin mining. You know, you see a flare that's stranded energy at a landfill or at an oil field. It's stranded energy. They have nothing better to do with that energy. That's that's all the evidence you need, right? Is that flare? They're lighting it on fire. If they had a better thing to do with it, they would have. Okay, Bitcoin mining can show up and do that. Well, I see. I'm starting to to recognize, um, you know, like rural decay throughout at least the you know the continental U.S. and I'm sure you know obviously it exists all over the world, but. Uh, you know, if they if they had a better solution to what they were experiencing right now, they'd be doing it. <laughs> but what we're seeing is that Bitcoin mining has the opportunity because it's location agnostic. It can show up in these places where other other heavy industry can't. And you know, we're seeing again going back to the the company that the team that I just joined. You know, one of our main missions is to set up these Bitcoin miners in this these exact situations where we come in we engage with the community we help um you know deal with whether it's just a physical like eyesore blight you know of closed down factory or paper mill or coal plant that was shuttered that that's just sitting there you know just everybody can see it it's just a reminder of how things are um you know come in make you know talk with the community tell them you know be totally straightforward and then Say yeah, we'll 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 take care of this for you, and then we're gonna build we're gonna build out these data centers. We're gonna provide education. We're gonna you know because we we're gonna need your local community to be able to work with us on our operations, and so we'll educate them, we'll train them, uh, we'll provide them hope, and 
and then and then we're going to do it and then we're going to build out this this infrastructure we're going to take advantage of what was existing and abandoned and then we're going to build out some more and we're going to strengthen the grid and you know it's just this it's just this and now and now you have fans right like now you just came in and provided hope to a community that's been struggling for who knows how long and now now they're now they want now they're your advocate right now they want you there they're going to fight for you because you're doing it you're doing everything right. And it's, it's the, it's the exact opposite of the FUD articles that you hear in the, the news or the mainstream media, the corporate media, right. As maybe it's better termed where, you know, Oh my God, like a Bitcoin miner just plops down and, you know, is driving everybody crazy with the noise and, and everyone's going insane and they want to rezone them and kick them out. And it's just, you know, maybe, maybe there are some, some examples of that and, and hopefully miners as an industry are, are learning, best practices so that those types of situations are, are, um, are not how it goes because the alternative is just so much better where you, you buy all the Girl Scout cookies, you know, you, you sponsor the local teams, you, you set up education programs, shake hands, get everybody on your side. And then you, and then you follow through and, um, it's pretty incredible. And, and it, and it, it can happen, you know, that, and, and any particular, any particular uh, rural situation where they've had some sort of industrial center that shut down and went away five years ago, 20 years ago, it doesn't matter. And you take advantage of the infrastructure and you bring it back to life. And it's, it's incredible. So seeing that that's, that is like a version of what's behind this all time high hash rates. Mm -hmm. And, and that's why I'm bullish. I love that. Um, that is so bullish. It's it's great. Like I, I I picture one thing that comes to mind is um, I don't know if you guys saw Pierre Richard was just testifying at the uh, Senate Committee on Business and Commerce in Texas, um, and so they were talking about West West Texas, which is pretty remote. There's a lot of rural areas that are kind of you know weren't doing so hot, and then a ton of Bitcoin miners moved in because there's a ton of renewables out there. There's a lot of like wind and solar out in West Texas because it's so remote and there's just a lot of sun. Um, and so uh, Pierre Richard went and testified. Um, I don't know. Would you guys be, I, I have the clip here. Do you guys want to see it? Play it, cool? man. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. I'd love to hear it again. It's, it's solid. It's, it's pretty short. It's like two minutes. I'll, I'll give it a play, but especially, you know, he, he brings, he Brings in the the Bitcoin or energy clearly at the end, but the, all the stuff that you're talking about about revitalizing rural centers mm -hmm. and preventing rural decay, he touches on at the beginning. So so here it is, Pierre Richard testifying at the Senate Committee on Business and Commerce in Texas. My name is Pierre Richard. I'm the vice president of research at Riot Platforms, the largest publicly traded Bitcoin miner in the United States with our facility in Milam County, close to Rockdale. I'm a first-generation immigrant, and I graduated from the University of Texas at Austin with a bachelor and master accounting degree. Thank you, Senator Coldhorse, for your work on demand response issues. Um, I believe that uh, the uh, witnesses here have adequately uh, represented our views on demand response. Um, I would just add that there is already a 60% limit to prevent concentration in demand response programs, and that this bill would override ERCOT's long-term study on large flexible loads. 
With regards to Chapter 312 temporary county tax abatements, uh, these abatements have helped attract Bitcoin miners to Texas, and they've created hundreds of rural jobs. Bitcoin miners are the number one employer in Rockdale. Bitcoin miners are also the number one taxpayer to Rockdale ISD. Bitcoin mining is good for rural education. Milam County has record sales tax revenue thanks to Bitcoin miners. Even if you are skeptical of Bitcoin, these abatements have been highly effective at revitalizing rural communities. It is also in our national security interest to mine more Bitcoin here in the United States and take market share away from foreign adversaries like Russia and China. We should not add unnecessary regulatory burdens or raise taxes on this strategic and innovative industry. For these reasons, I recommend to vote against SB 1751. Bitcoin is freedom money. It empowers people so that they can earn, save, and spend their money without relying on or trusting government central banks. Thank you. Mr. Richard, any questions? I have one quick Ooh, he gets spicy there at the end. It's freedom money. <laughs> Love to hear it. Um, That's badass. Can I, just, can I just add a little bit of context, sorry, to, yeah. to that, Ben? Yeah. You know, what he was what he was doing is unfortunately that there was a there was a, a, a bill that was put forward in Texas despite how, how favorable this is for Bitcoin mining. Somebody got it in their mind that they wanted to uh, come after uh, Bitcoin mining and and take away some of the the tax credits that it currently has, but then almost, more importantly, prevent it from engaging in the demand response programs. But then at the same time, still requiring them to shut down, which is which is absolutely crazy and you know they make a big deal you might people are really into it might hear people complain about the fact oh bitcoin miners get paid to shut down well yeah every customer does like that's what i've been doing in my career is coming up with programs where i'll give you a 20 dollars gift card so i can turn off your air conditioner you know a couple times a summer that i'm paying you to shut down like that's what happens because if i didn't pay you to shut down i have to build a new power plant or i have to start one up and so the money's going to get spent no matter what. And so this was a very cynical play in terms of legislation in the state of Texas. I don't think it's going to pass. But, um, you know, I guess just real quick to do another little half thing of why I'm bullish is I'm also a senior advisor to uh, Satoshi Action Fund. And what we are seeing is positive pro-mining legislation in states around the country, which is super exciting. States like Montana, um, Mississippi, New Hampshire. Wyoming, you know, they're passing the Right to Mine Act. They're passing these these legislative uh, bills that in the states that are very like specifically pro Bitcoin mining. And um, so, you know, we're on the offense in in certain places, and every now and then you got to deal with something like this in Texas, but it'll fail, and we'll move on. Yeah, you love to see it, and th this is something that I love so much about the U S that we don't get as much of here is that from state to state, you, you have so much more kind of power over, over, you know, a lot of the laws there. And I mean, federally, obviously the, the federal government is, is trying to overreach as much as possible because government's going to government always, they always, <laughs> they always got to try and govern as much as possible. With you know, with this heavy, it's for it's for our safety, Ben. Yeah, exactly. Safety. Yeah, um, but but in Canada, it's you know, the federal has a lot more um, power and control 
um, and from province to province, uh, a lot less power. Um, you know, I'm, I'm more confident in Alberta than I would be elsewhere. Sorry, Island. <laughs> I am more confident in Alberta as well. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but, uh, of any place in the country, like I, I feel like this is the place where, where we'll be like, hey, fuck you. We're not doing that. Um, mm-hmm. But still, like the, there's, there's so many hurdles to cross to get to a place like that. Um, but of any place in Canada, this is probably where it would happen. Um, but nonetheless, I, I, I do envy the idea of, of being able to, to, you know, whether it be in and around this issue or like the past couple of years, if you didn't like how, how your state was handling um, just like general, like, oh, you know, I, I don't agree with uh, certain restrictions and so on and so forth. I would prefer somewhere else. Well, you, you had the ability to go, well, you know what, this, 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 too much for me i'm going to relocate to another state that that has a different way of doing things in canada it's, pr- it's pretty much blanket across the board for a lot of stuff there's subtle differences there's slight things that are, are different but um you're getting just different flavors of the same totalitarianism to be honest um and, you know and it's not you know i i'm i'm being a bit hyperbolic here i mean maybe not looking at no you're not you're not yeah yeah Yeah, i don't know man (laughs) we we were up in whistler last weekend and yeah it's that was my first time ever going to canada and then i'm going back to toronto in june but yeah it was it was totally different it's like everywhere i go it's just like here take a picture before you can come in or let us scan your id and i was just like what (laughs) is this it was kind of like a running joke at our bachelor party like oh like what do we got to show them before we go into that bar or something (laughs) eric they're watching (laughs) (laughs) like it's kind of crazy yeah yeah it's it's it can be much a little much at times yeah um i don't know man it's it's uh nonetheless like this is kind of what bitcoin is is building and hedging against right like bitcoin is is creating an alternative community and and both both I, i would say like both economic and ideological kind of framework um for people to live within regardless of where they are geographically um and so you know right now we're definitely in the vast minority of thinking like that but that's the thing there was a i I did up a clip or rather i you know my wife will kill me she's gonna watch this because she does all the clips now (laughs) Anyways, my wife did up a clip the other day from uh, a previous Why Are We Bullish and a dude named Mickey came on uh, and he was his reason why he was bullish was that Bitcoin has has taken the American dream and and made it basically has digitized the American dream and made it global. And that's that's kind of I think what is playing out here because regardless of of what rules and and when where you're kind of domiciled currently, um, Bitcoin Bitcoin's unaware of that and continues to function as is. Now, like it's completely aside the point of you know if you're in a country where they're like, hey, you know, using Bitcoin means death, then <laughs> there's definitely going to be some consideration there. But nonetheless, it still functions. 
And so when you're in a situation where it's like, I fully oppose, you know, you're, you're under some tyrannical rule and you're trying to fundraise. And I've, I've talked with people like this at the, at the human rights foundation, uh, the Oslo freedom forum, people saying, you know, we're fundraising to, to basically oppose our government. And the penalty for that is, is mm. quite severe. And, and because of that, we, we cannot do it through banks. It's literally impossible. Mm. And so they're speaking to me about, well, how do we, how do we do this with Bitcoin? And so it's, it becomes, well, the Bitcoin part is easy. Anybody can have a Bitcoin wallet and accept donations. You can do that in a variety of different ways. It's then be, it comes down to a, a, a localized, what do you then do with the Bitcoin? Right. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a local issue of like, how do you get the things that you actually need for the Bitcoin that you have? Um, and that's and that's where it's it, it, it's up to the jurisdiction. It's it's kind of like what is locally available? How much of a community have you built? How much of a circular economy is there? What can you do that will plug into that that allows you to to be part of this Bitcoin economy? in a place that's hostile to it. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're seeing solutions for that more and more. I, and I mean, we were talking about Africa earlier, like what a beautiful example is, is Nigeria, hmm. right? Like, like it's banned. A sweet like, example. Yeah. It's like, you're, you're, you're literally not allowed to do that. Also cash, get that the fuck out of here. Use the CBDC <laughs> or else. And they're the adoption. Right, no, I'll just rate. take big, I'll just take Bitcoin. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> the adoption rate in the place that's like one of the most draconian on it is through the roof. It's higher than it's ever been. And on top of that, there's a premium on the Bitcoin. Like, and I should there. Uh, there's there's a caveat there because the official rate for the Naira is like not the official rate. Like if you go, yeah, if, if, yeah you know, you go black market and you try to get U.S. dollars for Naira. It's like I don't, I don't want this. Um, so that plays into it. But nonetheless, there's still a premium on Bitcoin when you try to buy it in Nigeria. So like the act of banning it doesn't, doesn't reduce the price is what I'm getting at. And so, yeah, I mean, I mean, again, and another example, China, you're not allowed to mine here, like 20% of hash still in China's <laughs> border. Right. Like, like how hilarious is that? Like if, making announced. Yeah. <laughs> what was that i said and, and making their grid more reliable <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. think of all those rural rural towns uh you know out out in you know the middle of nowhere in china with with hydro mm-hmm. and they're like well there's all this extra energy here and we're just gonna like let it run through the dam why not why not use it and like get a ton of money for our 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 town or or you know for our business and then, you know, people come around and you better not be mining Bitcoin. <laughs> Could I interest you in some free Bitcoin, good sir? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, obviously, that's happening. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh, the incentive structure is is unique, we'll say. Totally. And, and yeah, and it's it, it hits from all sides, too, because we have like the black market formation because of the nature of it. It's going to exist in that form one way or another, as long as there's market demand for it. And then at the other angle, you know, I'm really curious, like in a few years, once we see the outcome in El Salvador and there's like 
tangible data where if we see El Salvador's GDP triple over the next few years, what yeah. that indicates to all these other countries, oh, do I you know, use the dollar and keep dealing with that system? Or for countries that are starting to move over to the yuan, are we going to go use that and then get in bed with China and then we're subject to the whims of China and whatever they decide to do, which I'd prefer the U.S. over that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, or do we at least pick something neutral if we can't establish a currency because we're just going to hyperinflate it and people don't trust government money anymore? And a lot of the incentives of that too, pair that with, oh, we could also increase our GDP significantly because of a lot of economies are going to start moving out down here. That's a really strong incentive at the sovereign level, too. And you pair that with black markets and not being able to control it. It's it's really tough to compete against. I to, to your point about El Salvador, it's going to be super interesting, like you said, a few years down the road, both El Salvador and MicroStrategy, because you've got these two use cases of like, you know, the reserves for a company and reserves for a country and, and, you know, also using it as, as a um, legal tender. But those two things, those, those two, you've basically got like, everybody was thinking, Oh, micro strategies doing it. Everybody's going to jump on board. And then it was like, Oh, hold on guys. Just because you bought some Bitcoin doesn't mean your mom, your dad, your sister, and your grandmother all bought Bitcoin they were incredibly skeptical for an extended period of time. And now maybe you've got some family members and friends that have some sats, hopefully. But like the reality is it takes a long time for people to be interested. And they're going to say, fuck no, for an extended period of time until it's so blatant and in their face that they're like, yeah, I can't believe I haven't been. And even then they still may be averse to it because they feel like they missed the boat. And they're, they're going to have to feel like they missed the boat multiple times before they clue in that like we're the, the Titanic, you know, it, you never miss the boat. The boat's sitting there. You're just freezing in the water. Get out of the water now. Like <laughs> that is that is the message. And so, like, I, I think we're going to see this play out with with MicroStrategy and with El Salvador, where it's like, wow, these guys did incredibly well what do they have in common <laughs> yeah. what, what happened here and i and the the thing that i really like um did you guys see i can't remember who tweeted it out but it was it was just a, an image of like bitcoin accepting businesses and it showed el salvador and it obviously dotted with like all the little pins in the map um but then the the quote on the tweet was just contagion and it showed el salvador next to guatemala and Guatemala was just peppered with them. But Guatemala, interestingly enough, is not top down, right? Like the government is not saying, yeah, we're going to do legal tender. It's all ground up, just like yep. local initiative, like we're going to go do this. And and it's in and you're seeing a little bit of it in Costa Rica. Um, I mean, not uh, Costa Rica probably <laughs> is helping. <laughs> um, but I think. Like you're right, you know, in a situation where in a couple of years, El Salvador is like, you know, going the route of Singapore, you know, if we start mm-hmm. to do that trajectory of, you know, you know, down and out to, wow, you guys are doing quite well and you're mm-hmm. rising. 
what is the rest of Central and South America going to think about that? And what in particular, what is Argentina going to think mm. when they basically took the IMF? Here's here's a bunch more debt. Make sure you you promise to keep people away from Bitcoin. How yep. is that going to look? Yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. And like, I mean, El Salvador is in a similar situation with trying to get out of their debt as well. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that, that's another way that it could be signaling adoption, too, is like, here's a strategy to get yourself out of the debt of, you know, this global centralized like debt slavery machine. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. David wants us to know that the boat ain't going anywhere far before it sinks. He's, <laughs> he's currently treading water, but thanks for your advice, David. I appreciate you. I love that. this dude. This dude's hilarious. <laughs> it's great. He needs to be on one day. Never change. El, El Salvador is still down 50% on their Bitcoin. Which, no, that's not their, their cost basis is not, <laughs> yeah. not 54,000. I can promise you. That. Yeah. 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 Uh, Yellow made a good point, though. El Salvador up is up in GDP, incoming yep. dollars, tourism, real estate, roads, schools, hospitals being built, so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. like the the again, the brain drain is real. Like the I think Max Kaiser promised <laughs> Max Kaiser promised the president that he would get ten thousand people himself to move to El Salvador, <laughs> and so he's like, I'm at I I can't remember the number the other day, but it was somewhere. He was like, Yeah, I'm at like. 2,500 or 3,000 people so far look, looking <laughs> bright, uh, you know, basically projecting <laughs> the numbers. But yeah, I mean, and even you had, uh, do you guys know who Tim Pool is? Yeah. Yeah. Like big, big YouTuber. He, just, <laughs> he was, he was my fear porn for the last couple of years, like in the midst of lockdowns and everything, I'd be like, I'm going to watch some Tim Pool so I can reminisce on how everything is going to implode and it's the, the apocalypse. Um, but but he, you know, he's been pretty, he got orange pill by Max himself, but he was talking about El Salvador and he's like, you know, maybe, maybe we'll get a studio space down there. Like from time to time, pop it. Like he's, he's a pretty, set up a hub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, let's there. set up a hub there once in a while, go down, like have a studio space. And then, you know, and, and, you know, Tim is, is one of those guys that's, you know, he is a bit of a doomer. He always like tends tends to lean on the side of we're we're at the doors of basically we're basically just about to encounter the apocalypse at all times <laughs> um in terms of like you know, the government's going to shit and everything but those are the people that kind of clue in first that are like you know maybe i'll you know i, I think i'm going to prepare and then everybody else is like ah shit kind of sucks maybe <laughs> maybe i should think about you know, having some Bitcoin, maybe I should think about owning some chickens or, you know, things like that. Get, get your passport, get your passport if you don't have it already. Yes. You don't want to be waiting for on for that. Yeah. And uh, shout out to Katie and Jessica Hodler uh, with Plan B passports. Uh, they're, they're all about getting a second passport in case, you know, you worry that your, your Canadian overlords may not let you use your regular passport. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm screwed because I have a Venezuelan and a Canadian passport. Oh, well, but that, another passport okay. does does what does your where does your Venezuelan passport allow you to go currently? Yeah, well, I was so, you know I came I came to Canada thinking you know Canada 
it just so many promises. I'm going to build my future there. And then I just slowly saw it erode. And I was like, oh, crap, all these years here. Now I got to leave. Okay, I got to I got to ask you then. Okay, so how long? Like, when did when did you move? To Canada? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, maybe when I was 18. Came okay. by myself. Wow. Okay. So I was like, I'm going to go to Canada. And yeah, what I just. Were, sweet. What were things like when you left? Well, so originally I'm from Venezuela and Bolivia, but left Venezuela when I was 10 and we went to the Middle East. Mm-hmm. So I did my middle school and high school in the Middle East and then came here for university and started working here and struggled my way through and became a citizen just last year. Wow. And that was a process and a half. I felt like Eric, I was like, how much more information do you guys want from me? I think yeah. forever. You know everything about me. It's yeah. It's, it's, it's like the world coin iris scan. Paired with AI. Yeah. Now, now you're in the system. You're finally, I was about to say congratulations. And then I was like, hmm. <laughs> and now they know you like Bitcoin. There are a lot of great things in Canada. There, yeah. I know it's really easy to point at Canada and say, "Look how much they're you know screwing with things." But there's you know there's safety, great food, there's tons of natural resources, really kind people. It's not all doom and gloom. Like there are some beauties and luxuries here that you know I don't take for granted. I'm very grateful for. Yeah, yeah. I oh think- yeah, Vancouver was awesome when I was up there, yeah. which is why it's such a tragedy that the government's doing what they're doing. Like, yeah, so it's cool. It's it's beautiful, and I, I think it's easy to get. I mean, be, because of I mean, this is the whole Jeff Booth kind of thesis of like government government has no. <laughs> I love yeah. Jeff Booth. He's, he's incredible. I, I love we all him. love Jeff. Yes, he's yeah. incredible. But like he's he's the voice of you know this this is the the, the even toned like comforting voice telling you that the world's going to shit is what you, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he seems like he's ramped it up a little bit recently. yeah like, yeah that, that was but, him but, yeah but he, the last couple of weeks he's like you know yeah uh, he's like shit's getting no bad. more mr nice guy right yeah <laughs> but i mean like his thesis is like of course this is going to happen it, it it's you know the the fiat system necessitates it it mm-hmm. it it's inevitable that you get increasing levels of totalitarianism when the money is eroding. It's getting harder to control people's actions in and around that. So you need to exert more control to get things to function the way you need them to in order to kick the can down the road. And so we're looking at this, you know, when, when people say, oh, Canada's insane or Australia's insane. I mean, yes, but... <laughs> But also everywhere is, but we're just at different points in that pathway. And, and you know, a lot of the, the issues in a global sense come from the fact that we're all on a fiat standard. And so it necessitates this push towards totalitarianism over time. And so we're, we're sitting, you know, you know as, as Island said, if you're in Canada... In, in the context of like Western nations, there's a lot you can point to and be like, oh, damn, that that was insane. Like, especially the last like last year, it's like that was insane. And you guys are all totalitarians and you're screwed. When you zoom out globally, there's there's a lot worse. Um, but I mean, it's the same argument when it's, you know, you're you're 
talking about when when the economist makes the excuse for well you know the u.s only had this percent inflation and look at the rest of the globe yeah but <laughs> you're all doing the same thing it's just you're like benefiting well, we, ex from, like, we exported our inflation yeah like, yeah exactly you're, you're benefiting from the bottom of the totem pole right like it's yeah. just where, where you're at so um you know yeah canada is much better off than a lot of other places on the globe we're all on the same trajectory and I think you can recognize the beauty in the place of where you're at and also recognize the faults and also keep your eye out and your ears out to recognize the places that are on a better trajectory, even if they're starting from a worse spot than you're currently at. Yes. I think that's what Bitcoiners are doing a lot of. We're looking and saying, what places, what little glimmers of hope are there globally where they're starting to go down a path that could be conducive to a Bitcoiner's mindset? Um, and like, you know, El Salvador is an example, but I, I, you know, I don't think we should just blanket give like, oh, they're on a Bitcoin standard. Great. You know, I, I, I think people like Alex Gladstein being like, what about the erosion of civil liberties when you're you know, rounding people up without due process. I do recognize that when you have one of the highest murder rates on the planet. And they all know, have like, face tattoos. Yeah, and a lot of face tattoos. Then maybe like <laughs> some some crazy actions are going to take place in order to quell that. But, um, you know, I, I think scrutiny is needed in in everything. I think you should always think adversarially. You should always question everything. I think that Bitcoiners are can be good and bad at that in, in different instances. But um, yeah, I, I, I think we're just on the lookout like Madeira, El Salvador, uh, the Bitcoin Island in the Philippines. There's there's a lot of places, even in um, Hon Honduras, I think there's the Roatan, I believe there's a little place uh, on an island off the coast. There's there's a lot of little places and Bitcoin Lake in Guatemala, we mentioned Bitcoin Jungle in, in Costa Rica. There's all these little like ground up places and in some instances, top down places where there's inklings of maybe they're on the right trajectory. And a lot of Bitcoiners are are really watching that. Some of them are jumping in head first others are <laughs> dipping in their toes uh but it's a i think it's a good mindset to be in i don't know what do you guys think yeah. well it kind of also reminds me of um did you guys watch the podcast interview between on what bitcoin did between peter mccormack oh my gosh forgetting her name but it was about why media is failing us or something like that i i haven't watched it yet but uh, yeah okay. justin's nodding his head so one of the questions she asked because she studied ancient history and she said what's worse uh, a bad democratic leader or a benevolent dictator. Right. And she was making the case that sometimes when there was just such extreme chaos, a benevolent dictator can be good. But mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, make of it what you wish. Um, listen to the podcast interview. I just thought it was a really interesting question. We, we shouldn't. We. I feel like we're getting to the point um, where we shouldn't just be stuck on um, our understanding of like what words mean and. And, and, and maybe maybe it's just more important to think about like what's actually happening on the ground. Right. And I mean, first of all, we're all just applying the label of dictator to someone like Bukele, which may or may not be appropriate. We, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But 
you know, and then we're and then we're also applying the label of democracy to a place like Canada or the United States or right. Western Europe, and that may or may not be appropriate either. And and then, like you were saying, Ben, you have uh, you have the trajectories or the you know the, the vectors, right? <laughs> like what, one's going down and one's going up, and maybe maybe you're starting from a higher place and falling down, and and another place is starting from lower and and ascending. Uh, upwards and so I think absolutely we want to be paying attention to that and and um, I thought I, I agree with you. I thought that was incredibly interesting and I think it's important for everyone to think and you know challenge challenge your comfort levels about what um, how, how, what you think matters and what's important with how decisions are made you know in your government or you know whatever like what is democracy if you want to go down that path and and um, you know maybe 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 other systems make more sense if the results are better mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's so so there's th this um line of thought and Safedine kind of initially brought it up i thought it was interesting he went down this path of um in, <laughs> he basically advocated for monarchies <laughs> sure, <yeah. laughs> citadels right i mean that's that's like where yeah. citadels go but, right? but like okay so here's his here's his take he was like in in when when you look at a democracy everything is inherently high time preference due to term limits and so it's like hey can i just spend a fuckload of money and make people happy with the shit i bought them with money effect and time effectively borrowed from the future and then i'm out of i'm you know i've got term limits i've got eight years i'm out of here and then the next guy will just have to deal out with the fallout of like all my excess spending, which is effectively the system we've got right now. And then, and then his reasoning was in some instances, you know, it could make sense where you have a, a person that is basically in power for an extended period of time. And, and maybe there should be like, I, I don't even know how, how it would work, but he's basically saying like, if that person doesn't want to revolt and people to to overthrow and hang them, then then your interest is in the long term and like making sure your citizenry is is taken care of and safe and and can live their lives as they see fit. You know, I'm not fully sold on the idea, but like the term limits thing makes sense to me because that's we get so much of that. We get so much of, you know, I'm in for this long. You know, it doesn't matter. I, you know, I just want to make sure I get re-election for the last term. After that, who cares? I'm out of here. Um, you know, I, I think we see quite a bit of that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm undecided on, on that. I, I think in a world where you had free passage from jurisdiction to jurisdiction regardless and it was effectively like here's the rules here and again that sovereign individual thesis of like hey you know instead of treating your constituents as subjects you treat them as customers here's what you get for our tax rate come here you'll pay this tax rate you're going to get the following boom 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 um, and then if you go there and it's not delivering or, you know, certain things aren't covered, you, you move jurisdictions and, and, and there you go. You know, I, I think it's a long time before we get to that type of a world, if ever. Um, but maybe it's fun to imagine. 
<laughs> it might be better. It might be a better place. Imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was this book called Seasteading that I flipped through one time because one of my buddies told me about it. But they're talking about some sort of futuristic vision like that, where it's like when overpopulation occurs, a bunch of people are going to start moving out to these like artificial islands that are basically like puzzle pieces moving around the world, which is going to create this voluntary form of like democracy where you can go hop on and plug into an island with your real estate. And if you don't like whatever laws or whatever is happening, then you just, you know, move it somewhere else in the world. <laughs> I was like, yep, that is the perfect solution. That's going to happen. Yeah. Are you talking about yachts? Yeah. Yeah. We all get yachts, right? I mean, yeah, they can be yachts. You can have a yacht. I was thinking more like Waterworld with Kevin Costner and Dennis Hopper. Yeah. And like, Oh, that's the other thing. Get your passport and start working on your gills. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. Explosion, sea-doos, <laughs> and drink and pee. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, I, I, I have one more thing I wanted to ask. I, I'm, I'm going to ask Eric this question, just kind of our last line of thought here. So um, there was a lot of speculation as to, you know, how, if ever, we get to like a full – Bitcoin standard. And and right now, US, there's a there's a lot of there's like an antagonistic stance, obviously, like Operation Choke Point 2.0. We're seeing a lot of stuff coming down the pipe. Elizabeth Warren won't stop squawking. There's all kinds of stuff going on. Banks are getting got shut down that aren't even, you know, about to collapse. There's all this stuff happening. At the same time, you've got a bunch of other countries external to the U.S. that are like, we've been on a U.S. Stand, a U.S. dollar standard for an extended period of time. Um, we are recognizing the control that the U.S. has in two senses, that they get to export their inflation. And apparently now that they can just freeze our reserves. And so there's this dual incentive to get off a U.S. dollar standard or at least begin that process. And we're starting to see that play out with BRICS. We're seeing a bunch of different countries announcing like, hey, guess what? We just settled oil in something other than the U.S. dollar. or We've just settled trade in something other than the U.S. dollar. And then we saw this announcement that that BRICS is, if I'm not mistaken, looking at creating a new currency. Did you guys see this? I actually didn't see that. I, I saw something kicked around where it looks like they're like, hey, we, we're going to maybe look at creating something new that would yeah, be commodity backed with like gold. They're going to get, Oh, gold. okay. Yeah. 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 There's the, yeah. The China Russia driven. Okay. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm familiar. Um, yeah. Cause like, that's the idea is that from a reserve sovereign perspective that, you know, there's going to be, there has been a shift and there's going to continue to be a shift towards commodity backing and some form of de-dollarization yeah. that, that, that takes like a really long time to do like yeah. the biggest thing. Cause like, you know, there, there's a lot of talk about reserves and de-dollarizing that's been going on on Twitter. And you know, that, that that's going to take a really long time to actually happen. Like once your unit of account and trade is denominated in your currency, it's very, that's such a deeply entrenched phenomenon. And like, mm -hmm. I mean, most of this goes, comes down to like a geopolitical argument, but there's kind of like, there is basically the, you know, we have the petrodollar system. We're entrenched for that reason. You have U.S. military support that's protecting trade routes in return, use our currency. And we get to, you know, export our inflation to you and we get to have control over the systems that you're using for trade. And that has been going on for a long time. And now it seems like that's starting to shift a bit. And the decisions that countries are focused on is 
okay, well, if I hop off of a dollar standard, number one, that's going to be really hard. So if I'm a small country, then, you know, that's not really going to make sense unless I have circular, more domestic type economies where I'm trading with nations nearby me. But for international trade, where your trade routes need to be protected by, you know, way of the water system, that's a lot harder. Um, so, you know, when they think about that, they're kind of like, okay, well, maybe domestically I can use some things. But if I even were to do that and try to go this very painful route, am I going to get in bed with China? Do mm. I trust them more than I trust the U.S.? Is it going to be any better for mm. me to go that route with them? And where is that going to put our country in 10 years? So it's just a question of the lesser of two evils for most of these countries, which is why the idea of a neutral currency is actually really appealing. Because it's like, okay, well, maybe I want to have my own currency. I can't do any of my international trade with it. I can try to enforce it domestically upon people. And then eventually those systems end up crumbling. Or I can just start opting into some sort of neutral currency over time. And it's one that I can be, you know, I can actually custody myself. And it's on a permissionless payment system where I don't have to depend on China or the US or whoever it is that's implementing whatever system they're doing. So like that that that's pretty compelling but you know once again to my original point that's going to take a long time mm -hmm. like this commodity-based system gold's going to win out pretty big from a lot of this mm -hmm. and um and i see that a lot of the sovereign reserve assets are going to start shifting towards it as the eastern and western divide continues to sever but i think bitcoin does get a chunk of that market and I think that Bitcoin will continue to get a chunk of that market and it's slowly going to start to expand from it. So it's like, I think it's important to like not get too ahead of ourselves as a community around like how quickly dollar de dollarization is actually going to come to fruition. It's just like really hard when you are a, you know, X company shipping, you're concerned about a quarterly profit. Um, and, you know, there's government mandates on what you're going to be putting in your contracts for trade. Um, getting that to become Bitcoin over time is something that has to occur at much more of a top-down level. And that's going to take a while. So, so I have, I have one thing that I wanted to kind of get out of this topic here. And so earlier on, I, I thought that, you know, I saw the U S positioning itself and a lot of Western, like the, you know, the EU and everything very like anti, we need to stop everything that's happening with Bitcoin and like crypto and all that shit. And, and, and then I saw obviously reserves of Russia be seized and, you know, buddying up with China and all this stuff. And I thought like, what happens if it's them first that recognize the value of Bitcoin and they say like, Hey, you know, this can be part. And, and we've seen like a degree of that Russia being like, well, yep. You know, like they're, they're being a little bit more friendly and open-minded to it, at least at a state level. Like if you're, if you're yep. a citizen, fuck you, you're not allowed to use it. Exactly. Um, that, you know, like, <laughs> so, but, but what I'm wondering is they're now moving towards, you know, something that would be an alternative to the U S dollar. That's not Bitcoin. That, okay, we're, you know, we're going to recreate the wheel here or, or we're going to recreate the square wheel here and we're going to and we're going to make another fiat, you know, basket currency or whatever the hell this Franken currency ends up being. And maybe we'll like back it with we'll, we'll go we'll go the Nixon route. We'll back it with gold. And then one day we'll rug pull that because we can't control our printing, whatever it may be. And gold sucks. Yeah. <laughs> And so, like, my question is, 
I see kind of like three outcomes here. One would have been the initial thought of, okay, people were shut out of the existing system and they start realizing that Bitcoin's useful to them. And then over whatever time frame they incorporate it more and more into their system as an alternative to the US dollar system. Now I'm seeing a they're going to try and redo the dollar system, but with their own system that they can control. There's a gradual but like noticeable flow of we're going from the US dollar system to something else over time. And then the US dollar in a, you know, the US and Western countries in a defensive move stop being so adversarial to Bitcoin and recognize an open system is better than their system. Yep. And then the third scenario is just straight ground up. Every other country that's caught in the middle of all this bullshit says, okay, fuck it. We're just going to go on the open standard. Then we're kind of like, we're, we're basically unaffected by all of this. And then all of the superpowers realize like, oh shit, like <laughs> El Salvador is now a G7 nation. <laughs> you know, like something along that where like all of these like, underdogs are all of a sudden like rising up and and being much more prosperous they're going the way of singapore and the superpowers suddenly realize like oh i guess i guess nobody wins and it's just an open system for all like do, do mm -hmm. any of you have like uh, something if you were to wager like in that one in three bet where would where you would put your money I, the, the thing is, it's like, I don't think those scenarios are mutually exclusive. I think that we're going mm -hmm. to see adoption come from probably all those forms in some sort of, you know, marginal or gradual way. I, if I were to put my money on anything as being like the most prominent form of adoption, I'd say bottom up from mm -hmm. other economies. Yeah. I think that that's probably going to be what has like the quickest like inflection curve. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, we'll see. I think it's going to come in all of those. And I bet the U.S. ends up becoming reactionary to it and start be, being more open to Bitcoin. I would love that. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you have any thoughts on which country might adopt Bitcoin as legal tender next? Uh, I actually don't. I mean, like Panama is flirting with it quite a bit. Um, they're, you know, just word of mouth things i hear about what's going on in mexico potentially Residence i mean i mexico, yeah. yeah like any, anybody who has the most to lose so like if you're trading with the us pretty frequently um that 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 makes it a bit more challenging those furthest removed from the system um the smaller they are the harder it is to actually implement their own sovereign currency so that makes the incentive greater to want to probably have a neutral currency at a minimum um and the furthest removed you are from the system and you know the more trade you're conducting at least like um not domestically but within like you know geographic focus of your region it's, it's probably more likely that they would want to be opting out into a neutral system i i would guess i would guess it's going to be in central or south america yeah I think that's that would be where I bet my money if I was gonna yeah. bet. Central or South, South America or Africa. Or Africa, you know, but I, I gotta pick one. So I was gonna go with the home team. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think you're gonna see a lot more a lot more El Salvador style countries where like it's you know, it's a country that was rarely mentioned at if ever day to day where like most people were like, I've heard of it. I don't know. And then, but they're, they're like disenfranchised 
they 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 have a horrible economy, whatever it may be. They're dollarized in in some instances or a lot of instances, and they just say, well, you know what, like dual currency. I don't know why not. Like yeah. especially if if it pans out well, like if if in a few years from now, like post having, you know, Bukele seems like a fucking genius. There's going to be a number of countries that are like, oh. Yeah, oh. to sit through a couple of years that sucked and they're fine. You know, it, it, it didn't even suck. Like it, yeah, it, it wasn't even it, suck. They still had like <laughs> GDP was way up. They still had yeah. tons of tourism. They did like they got some bad work. press. That was yeah. It. Yeah. So yeah, but I, although that's great though, I when I was in El Salvador for adopting Bitcoin conference, um, the taxi driver would be like, Yeah, no, I accept Bitcoin. I like Bitcoin. I think that's great. I am just worried. What if something happens to President Bukele if he gets shot, or what happens if He's just no longer president. He's like, I'm not convinced that it's going to stick. Yeah. That's a great yeah. point. Yeah. It, it, there's just a, that big hurdle when it comes to education. And then also people aren't really like, they're like, even Salvadorans are like, okay, well, okay, we'll, we'll see where it goes. You yeah. know? And I think sometimes as, as Bitcoiners, we can get so excited about it and then just say, oh, it's great. It's working. But let's be cautious because it's still, you know, being tried out. It's still technically an experiment. I'm very bullish on it. I've got my, you know, fingers crossed for it, rooting for them, helping out wherever I can. But there is a reality of, you know, chaos and corruption and, and people being invested in bringing it down if they can. Yeah. Hopefully that's not the case. Uh, uh, Julian, aka Kinetic Finance in the comments, he, he said, it's, it's baffling me that these island nations like Palau, Tonga, Micronesia, uh, Tuvalu, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, aren't getting on Bitcoin. They have nothing to lose, very low debt to GDP. I got to say Tonga, you know, given given the like the the hype that we had out of Tonga earlier on, I'm, I'm surprised we haven't heard more from there. Um, yeah. That's the last little bit. Um, he said, uh, somebody take a trip with me to Guyana an orange pill, their president, they have a huge oil boom, fastest growing economy in the world, only English native speaking country in South America. All right, I'll go. My yeah. things are open. Let's, let's, I'll do it, man. Let's I'll do it. We'll well. trip. We, we've got a party now. It's good. we got a squad. That's right. we'll, we'll charter a jet. <laughs> yeah. a cool video about Lake Bitcoin. Did, can, uh, Julian put together the best video. It's It was like a travel vlog but like with Bitcoin peppered in all throughout, yeah. uh, he went down to Guatemala. It was an incredible piece, like a 10 minute piece on, on going down to Guatemala, seeing what's going on at, at Bitcoin Lake. It was an amazing. You have to go and watch it. If you have not go, go look at it on, on YouTube and uh, follow kinetic finance uh, on Twitter as well. Um, I should, I, uh, Here's your invite right now, man. Julian, come back on the show. We got to talk about your film. Uh, anyways, uh, aside from the point, um, yeah, check him out. Yeah, anyways, just, guys. just how serious I am. Uh, thanks for watching, Jessica and Rebecca. It's been it's been great having you in the. In the I theater. love it. I love yes, it. Yes, Jessica and Rebecca. <laughs> anybody, anybody who has no idea you, what's happening right now, was it Mark? Mark Andre Russell, uh, Russell. Yeah. Uh, his his daughters are are orange pilled. Uh, I've got my two daughters watching the podcast with me. Two future Bitcoiners. Can you shout out them? Hello, Jessica and Rebecca. 
Welcome to the show. I'm sorry I've been swearing a bunch. I feel really bad now. <laughs> sorry I've been drinking. <laughs> yeah. Don't repeat me. I'm a bad influence, but Bitcoin is not a bad influence. You got to, you know, don't don't trust verify. Don't trust a single That's thing right. I say. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but, you know, shout out to our young Bitcoiners. I've got two kids myself uh, and they are growing up Bitcoiners and, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to impart some of the lessons that I've learned uh, upon them. And we have two happy girls here, by the way, Mark and Shruta, <laughs> So <laughs> that's great. Uh, so, yeah, um, it's, it's really cool to see kids being born in a world in which Bitcoin has always existed. And every time I say that, I get chills because I, I just think like, you know, at one point, people grew up in a, in a world without electricity and cars and the Internet. And, and I can still say to my kids, like, oh, yeah, like I was born and I didn't have the Internet. Like I didn't get the Internet in my house until I was in junior high school. And they're like. I didn't get the Internet in my house. They're like, it wasn't everywhere. <laughs> it's like this whole and so bitcoin will be ubiquitous people will it will just be everywhere always even even for the period of time where it's not denominated in sats it will still be a global network for commerce more so over time um and people will be you know you will have uh you know a b and and BC, like after Bitcoin and before the coin, I think uh, we'll we'll, ha we'll denote time periods in in like seismic shifts in the way that we kind of govern. I don't even want to say govern, but how we run our society. Um, so it, it should be interesting. But nonetheless, bullish on Bitcoin kids. Um, so guys, I'm going to start to round out here. The way I like to finish every episode is I like to just quickly go down the line. Any final thoughts you feel like you couldn't get off your chest, feel free to throw them out or just like a summary of your thoughts for the episode. And if you, if you care to, then uh, a recommendation and the recommendation could be really anything. It could be, uh, a, a book, an article, a video, uh, you know, a, a piece of news, a, an application, a you know, a, a device, really anything that you have found valuable in your learning journey that you think people would benefit from taking a look at, throw it out there. Um, so I, again, my, my general closing thoughts for the episode is things are happening incredibly quickly. It just seems very slow when you're on the inside looking out. And so it's, it's very easy to be like, oh God, why don't people get it? I mean, it's been 13 years. <laughs> it's, it has not been an extended period of time. 14 years? 14 years? Is that? Are we at 14 now? 2009. Yeah, 2023. Got it. Yeah. 14 years. I'm yeah. I'm losing track of time. Again, it seems to go slower uh, from the inside looking out. But like, we're things are actually going incredibly quickly. It was 2017. Nobody knew how Bitcoin was going to scale and Lightning Network didn't exist. Um, there, a lot has changed in just a few years here. And so things move quickly 
in hindsight. Things move very slowly if you experience them as they happen. We're going to look back like 20 years from now, you're going to look back and be like, holy crap, <laughs> the entire system changed in such a short period of time. And, and realistically, it, you know, when, when you experienced it, it seemed to take forever because you, you, you saw the promise and you wanted it to happen quicker, but you know, things happen at the speed they happen. Um, in terms of recommendation, how do I phrase this? Uh, I, I think my recommendation is going to be kind of like a, a life lesson. And, and the life lesson would be in the, in the ethos of Bitcoin, don't trust verify. So you, you can get into a mode of like the crowd is saying one thing. So I'm going to go along with the crowd, even if it's Bitcoiners. And there's a lot of Bitcoiners that I consider to be very well informed. A lot of the, a lot of the plebs, typically are, are right in a lot of instances. It's like the, the initial knee-jerk reaction ends up being like, you know, oh, this, you know, this person is such and such as a scammer or whatever. And then like down the line, it's like, oh yeah, it turns out that they, you know, the, the entire thing was held up with twigs and glue and FTX has no, none of your money and it was all a big Ponzi scheme. So I, I will say like, a lot of people in the Bitcoin space, like they, they don't trust, they verify and they go and they, they, they put that to the test. Um, but continue to hold that ethos yourself. So if you hear a bunch of stuff, you should not just take the crowd at their word. You should go out, you should take a look and be like, is that the case? And if so, then great, fantastic. Um, and the reason I say that is despite the chorus of everybody being like, fuck this guy. He's a spook. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I pulled the trigger and I bought software. <laughs> so, Do you understand it? The, Power uh, projection, it, baby. I haven't read it yet. I haven't read it yet. It arrived today. So here's the reason. Like, okay, a lot of, you know, I, I would have loved it was a, if it was a free PDF, but that's not the case. So maybe I just sunk like a, you know, 40 bucks into into something where i'll be like ah he was a spook <laughs> but, but you know i i think again in the ethos of don't trust verify you know i've listened to some podcasts i you know i get the general thesis but like i'm i'm not i'm not sold either way i think i need to actually like go and read dig in and then look at it and be like do the ideas have merit or not despite the fact that like a lot of people that you know i'm i'm friends with that i trust their judgment or like ah oh, you know this is such and such a thing and, and maybe it's bad ideas and so on and so forth i'd rather form the idea myself i'd rather go i'm going to read the full thesis and be like do i agree with the ideas or do i think they're bad ideas and i don't know what the uh, what my conclusion will be but I've got the information here in front of me and I'm going to go about it that way rather than just trusting in the judgments of the crowd. And I think Bitcoiners as a whole should do this all the time. And, you know, maybe because you're seeing everybody reach the same conclusion, it's because they've gone and they've not trusted and they've verified themselves and came to their own conclusion. But maybe in some instances not. And so I'm going to find out. I'll see. Maybe it'll turn out like everybody was trying to save me time. <laughs> maybe not. 
We'll see. I'll let you know in a future episode. <laughs> so with that, uh, I'll toss it to, to ILM. And uh, any final thoughts, any recommendations? Take it away. Um, final thoughts. It's just been fun to chat with you guys. Um, I'm going to have to read the seventh property. I'm going to buy it right after this, this conversation. It. Love it. That was my uh, recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> Like, shameless. You took it. <laughs> but I think my last final words would be, I think, you know, there's a lot of chaos going on. There's a lot of negativity coming from everywhere. I have been feeling burnt out, if I'm honest, and just tired, overwhelmed, and feeling like a fog and a fatigue. I've made a conscious effort to pull away from that, to protect my content diet, because that affects my health turning that down and then just choosing very wisely the type of content I consume and that goes into podcasts or books, et cetera. And I feel like that's bringing energy back into me and, you know, restoring my excitement and love and, and hope and faith for Bitcoin. And, and it's making me want to work harder to bring Bitcoin to the masses. So I would say if that's you as well, figure out if you just need to tune out of all the negativity, because I'm not sure that we're wired to consume that much violent corruption negativity it's too much for us to take in tone it down and just try and build a better future yeah. um and if you're gonna do that let me know because i want to hear about it mm -hmm. um and then in terms of recommendation i am reading um the sovereign individual i'm not done but i am really really liking it so if you haven't read it check it out and uh let's just share our thoughts with each other i love it touch grass and be sovereign <laughs> I think that's that's a good encapsulation. I'm gonna go touch some grass right after yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> Is it sunny out, Eric? <laughs> yeah, we, we we got a we got kind of a warm weekend out here in Denver. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sure it'll be even warmer as you touch that grass. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you? I'm, I might bust a load. Is that what you were saying? Earlier? <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, Eric. Speaking of which, with your touching of grass, do you have any final thoughts and recommendations? <laughs> yeah. Um, other than my book. Um, Go back to our conversation earlier where we were talking about like geopolitics and sovereign reserves and stuff. There's this book by Marco Papich called Geopolitical Alpha. It's more for like the investor perspective. But if you're trying to get like a crash course and how to think about geopolitics and apply that to Bitcoin, highly recommend reading it. It's really helpful for like forming opinions around, you know, how's Bitcoin going to take over the world? That's awesome. I'm looking it up right now. Geopolitical Alpha. Not by, a Bitcoin book, just a geopolitics book. Uh, by really Mar Marco uh, Papich, you said? Yeah, Papich. Uh, Papich, okay, yes. awesome. All right, uh, P-A-P-I-C for anybody looking it up. Awesome, awesome. And I'll, I'll do a second shill. Seventh property, uh, I'm you know, not bragging or anything, but I, I, I seem to have a signed copy here. Oh. I do, my friend, you oh. do. Yeah. It's, it's almost as valuable as my sats. I'm jealous. Very scarce. I'm oh, very scarce indeed. Yeah. Um, uh, awesome. Well, I'm. I'm. Thank you for that. Uh, we'll we'll toss it over to Justin. Finally, uh, final thoughts, recommendations. Take it away. Uh, yeah. So you know, I think kind of getting back to why I was bullish. If, if anybody ever is wondering what what Bitcoin's backed by, um, you know, there's there's a few different answers that make sense, but. From my perspective, it's just backed by this massive infrastructure build out that's happening all over the globe. 
in, in any variety of innovative ways when it comes to energy and, and mining. And it's, um, it's just incredible. And, and that's in my mind, that's, that's what it's backed by. And so, um, that'd be kind of my, my parting thoughts. And then, you know, my recommendation would be that if, if you have an inkling to, to mine, um, you know, go, go with it. Don't be, don't be intimidated. Um, maybe, maybe it's not right to, to mine it in your garage, your house with your electric rate or your service or, or what have you, but you know, you can always, you can, there's, there's plenty of hosting opportunities. Um, you know, you can look at the space heaters. There's just, there's all sorts of ways to, to, um, to mine Bitcoin. And, and if you think it might be something that you want to do, uh, go for it. Yeah. I love that. Great advice. Dabble, learn. Dabble. That's right. Just don't burn anything down. <laughs> right. No, no, when you're, no, when you're out over your skis and, and call, call a professional. Yeah. A hundred percent. Awesome. Well, uh, I appreciate all of you coming on. This is a fantastic conversation. I always know when it's running two and a half hours instead of like the typical hour and a half, it's been a good one. So uh, I, I really appreciate all of your time. Thank you for, for sticking around for so long and having a great chat and sharing a beverage with me on a Friday evening. Um, I'm the chat has thoroughly enjoyed it as well. Shout out to everybody that's watching. And of course, uh, thanks for telling me why you're bullish and all of you are welcome back anytime. Ah, uh, thanks so much. You guys, it was Cheers. so nice to meet you all. Good meeting you, you guys. That was Thank fun. you, Ben. Yes. Nice meeting you all. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. I'll see you guys soon. And, uh, hopefully at some events in the future. Hell yeah. Sure. Later. Let's go. All right. <laughs> Later guys. We'll see you soon. Awesome. All right. Everybody watching. Thank you so much for being here. Of course, like, subscribe, share. I know I say that every time, but uh, everybody that's been doing it, it helps the show so much. Uh, so continue as you please. Uh, of course, if you want to help the show in another way, you can always hit up the previously mentioned sponsors down below. Those were Hoddle Hoddle, Coin Kite, as they're loading slowly, Nunchuck, and Start9. Also, speaking of which, we're talking a little bit about Miami. Uh, anybody that's going to be down in Miami, hit me up. Let me know. I'm going to be trying to frequent as many things as possible, trying to meet as many plebs out there as possible, and, uh, and just talk Bitcoin with every new person that I can. Um, so that's happening. Miami Beach, May 18th through 20th. Caveat, May 17th through 20th, because I'm going to be there running a workshop as well. I'll talk about that in a second. But nonetheless, if you're heading down to Miami, do let me know. Shout me out on Twitter, whatever you need to do. Um, it's it's a hell of a time. This is my fourth time attending. I went to the one in San Fran in 2019. I did 2021 and 2022 in Miami. Third time in Miami, fourth time to the conference. So it's it's going to be a blast. So many speakers. It's the thing is massive. I don't I don't know if I can fully. It's like a barrage on the senses. Get focused. Choose what you want to see. Do what you want to do. Spend your time speaking with who you want to speak with. Like time is precious there. So use it to the utmost because there's so much to see and do. And it's very easy to get distracted by bullshit. Don't let yourself do it. Get focused, get out of it what you want to. Um, you can head to b.tc slash conference. Their ticket prices go up in regular intervals. They go up uh, a week from today. So if you're kind of like, eh, I don't know if I, I like, I might be able to make it, not sure. 
you can always grab a ticket and sell it quite easily on Twitter, like before the conference. And because ticket prices are going up, you can always sell it for what you got it for. Um, so nonetheless, yeah, uh, check it out. B.TC slash conference, by the way, 10% off. You can use code BTC sessions. Uh, yeah. And in terms of the workshop, I'm doing a cold card workshop, a four hour deep dive on May 17th. That's the Wednesday. It goes from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m., basically starting from the basics all the way to the advanced. So if you're new to cold card, if you're like, I have a cold card and I've never used it or I don't have one yet and I need to pick one up or I have one and I like I know the basics, but I want to get a deep dive. There you go. Basically, we're going to start from the very beginning, get you set up, get you doing air gap transactions, everything backed up, restoring it, all of that stuff, the basics that you want from a hardware wallet. And then we're going to go into the deep dive stuff, all the advanced stuff, BIP85, parent seeds, all that kind of stuff, uh, trick pins, NFC, all kinds of stuff. We're going to get into as much as possible, multi-sig. Um, so we're going to be touching on as much as we can fit into that. You're going to walk out of that thing being a greater expert on the cold card than the majority of the world. I promise you that. Uh, so anyways, you can check that out. Head over to btcsessions.ca uh, over on the right-hand side. There's a fun picture of me teaching a workshop. That's where it's at. In-person workshops, you can find tickets there. There's a few left. We're coming up on the conference, I think 48 or 49 days left. So snag them quick while you still can. It's right beside the section. You can also book me for one-on-one -on -one private sessions if the free tutorials online are not enough. And finally, if you really liked what you saw, you can always drop me a Bitcoin tip on my strike page. You don't need strike to use it. Just head to strike.me slash BTC sessions. Type in any amount you want. Hit the tip button. You will see a lightning invoice or if you tap the little arrow to the right, you see a bit regular Bitcoin QR code. With that, I'm out. Have yourselves a wonderful day or evening, wherever you may be. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you guys next time for your daily session. We have BTC sessions. Bitcoin is F your money. You can't stop it. Get yourself some Bitcoin and hold it yourself. Peer-to-peer -peer exchange. You know, people are going to organically come to it and gravitate towards it, especially in the world we're living in now. It's incredible. It's a great tool, and I can't wait to see it proliferate everywhere.